OTB Rugby. It was a case of, it's going to be really difficult to beat this Gloucester team at home here, uh, but we owe it to the fans and ourselves to get a performance. It was a very emotional kind of Friday night meeting. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. The Football Pod on Off The Ball. In partnership with AIB. Proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. How are you lads? Look at Peter. Wow. How are you all doing? This is amazing. Look at this lads. Crow Park. When was the last time you performed here, James? Oh. <laughs> some, some would say never. Uh, fuck it, I don't know. 19 came on in the, yes. the replay. Yeah. Last. You, lost. You, you did have some good days in Crow Park, right? Few, yeah. Few. Yeah. 13, 14. A few good days in 15 up until the final we lost against the boys. But. Yeah. Paddy never really had any problem performing under pressure, did you? <laughs> Just in the bedroom. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 1-0, 1-0. Yeah, well, look, at it. I've definitely felt the pressure this week. We've an amazing crowd here. Thanks a million to everybody who's travelled over and came from all parts of the country and all over the world. There's people flying in from all over. Uh, I don't know if it's for the show. You might be coming back for the All-Ireland Final. It's going to be a great occasion this weekend. Yeah, um... It looks amazing. Being in Crow Park is unbelievable, so thanks to AIB and Off The Ball who've made the place look unreal. We did want to have a look at some of your big days in Crow Park, and Paddy insisted that we find a video of every single point that he's ever scored in an All-Ireland Final. So let's have a look. Rock again, back now towards Paddy Andrews, onto his right-hand side, hitting it under pressure, but hitting it truly, following through brilliantly, and putting over his first point of this match. The highly in taking up some very good positions, Dean Rock, and good decision making as well. That's a good ball ahead to Paddy Andrews. 2015, Paddy, is it? trying to stretch their lead here. There you Andrews go. Andrews kicking, yeah. as he did in the semi final. First opportunity he's got really. To this is the 2016 replay coming up. The Dubs had only scored a point from play, 33rd minute. You come off the bench after a black card. Look at that. Oh. And then a couple of minutes later. You were lucky that day, weren't you? Well, uh, it was a draw. Yeah, James, he could play a bit of football, couldn't he? I was just thinking, most of them were steps. Yeah. I, what? I, who was the referee? Goff. <laughs> Special guest, David Goff, for coming tonight. <laughs> Goffer, fair play to you. Six, six tickets for him. Yeah, we can back. hear Paddy now. We're back. Great. No, no, it was great scores, wasn't it? Glory days, huh? Yeah. Yeah, hard bet, hard bet. Four points, seven Four. All-Ireland medals. Pretty oh, good geez. record in All-Ireland points. No, no, no. Jesus, you can't sniff at that. James O'Donoghue, you played in 2014. You won the All-Ireland. Mm-hmm. You won Footballer of the Year that year. How on earth did you win Footballer of the Year and you didn't score in the All-Ireland final? 
I was uh, I was on assist duties that day. Uh, <laughs> Playmaker. Assists are more important than scores these days. Says who? No, I missed a couple of handy ones, all right. Disappointing. And we got no freeze. You usually chip one or two handy frees and get take the credit for it when you get any of them. Um, but, do you know what? I, in 14, I was actually kind of... We, we knew that Donegal had a, a small full back line, so... And you're I, was tower, told, right? I was told, get out of there. You're not <laughs> needed today. So we had Ganey and Donaghy inside, kind of a, a, a new take on the Twin tower situation, so my job was just kicking in. Yeah, it worked. That's my explanation of not scoring in a final, anyway. 2015, the dubs bet you. But you did have a good day. We might have a look at that in the rain. Could be a similar day this weekend. Yeah. Down to Gainey, touched it beautifully to Buckley. Setting a chance up for James O'Donoghue, who settled his feet and put it beautifully over. That's one they needed just to reassure them to pass it to Cooper. Looking to get more than Ooh, involved. very nice. And the gooch. To James O'Donoghue. Trying to steal a march here on Johnny Cooper. Puts his toe behind it and puts it over the bar as well. Really good score. Well, from that little wizard. Anthony Marr back here, back to Cooper, provider, fumbled initially. Darren O'Sullivan back in as far as James O'Donnell. Three, Jimmy. This thing is an absolute. Is it? Got three in this yeah, Paddy, that was the first. That, that was the third All Ireland. The Dubs won in that decade. It was your second. Yeah. There's some great photos you after. I, I mightn't have them up here, but you celebrated that All Ireland. <laughs> you really did. Like that was a, that was a big one for you. I reckon. Was we lost uh, we lost the previous year the semi final to Donegal, so Kerry got a handy all Ireland. It didn't have to beat us. Um, but no, that, that was a big one for us to come back. We we, we felt we kind of left 14 behind us, so we had a big battle with Mayo, obviously, which kind of would set the tone for the next decade. And we got over that in a replay in the semi. And then look, no more so than Sunday, a Dublin and Kerry play in a final. It's, it's a special day. It was an absolute fucking disaster with the rain. Like we were saying we're all the players on side. And the style of play both of those teams played, total attacking football, and the match finished 12-9. <laughs> so uh, yeah. it wasn't a classic, but once you win those games, you were happy enough. And to be fair to Jimmy, you actually, you were decent that day, credit like Three Thanks, points, buddy. that's not bad now. Yeah, that's well. the first compliment you've ever given me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a glorious day today. We've got it in Crow Park now, we're inside. We did ask could they open the hill, but it wasn't happening today, but we'll take this. Um, <laughs> hopefully on Sunday, the weather isn't as bad as it is now, because it would affect the game, wouldn't it? It would, but I think the two best um, conditions you can play in are either an unbelievably nice day where the ball is moving fast or a slightly wet day where the rain has actually stopped. But it, it was wet in the morning maybe because it allows cornerbacks to make mistakes. Do you know, like in the <laughs> under, underfooting conditions, if the ball's kicked in fast, a zippy surface, and a, and a forward just does a kind of a, a hip shimmy, it allows defenders to make mistakes and it creates goal chances. So as much as people want to kind of play in a great day, sometimes as a forward, it's nice to play on a slightly rainy day. Yeah. And Jack O'Shea used to always say, when he opened the curtains on the morning of an All-Ireland, no matter what the weather was, if it was a beautiful day, he'd open the curtains and he'd go, ah, just what I wanted. And if it was monsoon, he'd open the curtains, ah, just what I wanted. So I think you have to kind of be ready for anything, yeah. but I think the boys will be. Yeah. Paddy, have you had a busy week? All-Ireland final week, Dublin Kerry. Have you kept the head down or what have you been at? This week or in, when we were playing, very different now. When we were playing, we were a little bit weird. Like we, uh, we were hermits, like you wouldn't talk to anyone, wouldn't engage in anything. In what any changed this week? <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a fucking stitch up from the start. <laughs> 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 
That's a great promotion, lads. It's a great promotion. Uh, yeah, this, like, now that you're off the scene and you're washed up, it's, uh, there's great gigs on All Ireland Week. Oh, <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story about that one. We'd, um, AIB sponsors of the show tonight. How did I not get that AIB gig and I working with AIB? Uh, <laughs> they're, they're already paying you enough, Julie. <laughs> we went, so AIB ring you last week. They're doing a ticket giveaway for Sunday. Yeah, so like, listen, we're going to promote this on Tuesday in uh, Clonagale Fontenoy over in Rings End. They go, come down and a couple of snaps. I was like, 100%, I'll do that, yeah, no problem. I'll sell it. So, uh, and they're like, Barry John Keane is going to do it with you from Kerry. And I was like, lovely, great bit of stuff. Barry John's going to come up and spend the day in Dublin, make a day of it. So, uh, we will out to Clonagale on Tuesday morning, and there's a f- big fake ATM in the middle of the pitch. And I was like, oh, oh what have I got into here? Uh, and there's the marketing team there, and there's a uh, sports foil photographer. Look, it took about three hours to get that shot. Look at that. <laughs> Pure class. Um, so anyone who knows me, since I finished playing, I have engaged in some dental work. Uh, <laughs> my nashers my were hanging off by the end of my career, so I said, right, a bit of showbiz here now. I'll, I'll get a bit of work done, get the old Invisalign, get the teeth whitened, uh, all that good stuff. That's like turkey, no? No, not turkey, no, home-based, home-based. So when I got them done, and I looked at them and go, hmm, they're a bit spicy, they're a bit white. So I went through a gig, and I'll never smile. I'll just keep the head down, and I'll be grand, conscious of it. So you arrive into a, a photo shoot with your man, and it's Barry John's coming over, and I'm smiling, dead serious, real professional, you know? And Barry John arrives in then, and he's all action, smiling, laughing away, and I look over and I realise I'm not the only one who's got the teeth done. <laughs> Barry John arrives in, and I swear to God, he's like Bobby Firmino. I need, I need, <laughs> I, I need to put the shades on. I'm like, fucking hell. Bah, it's good to see you. Listen, blah, a bit of chat there before, and then the marketing guy is like, right, lads, come on, you have to actually do a couple of photos here. So we sit, we're there leaning on the fake ATM machine again. And we're dead serious, because like, the all are the final. Dubs and Kerry, like, oh, there's no mess in here. Like. And then your man kind of goes, lads, this is a, a promotion. Like, we're advertising. We're meant to be having fun. Could you do maybe smile for a couple of photos? And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and your man, sports photographer, goes, yeah, lads, do you know what? On the count of three, give us your biggest smile. Like, you're having the best fun. So I look at Barry John, and he looks at me, and goes, they asked for it. So your man counts down three, two, one. And I swear to God, me and Barry John have shit eating grins. Your man's camera nearly fucking broke. <laughs> he, he turns around, he's blind, blind the light off both their teeth. And he turns around, he's kind of laughing, he goes, lads, listen, we're probably going to have to take that shot again. He gets the lads over to start fixing the light and lowering the shade for our teeth. And I'm just going, oh, he asked for it. And he, you can see him laughing, he's there thinking, I'm a fucking photographer in Ring's End with two XGA players. And two of them are smiling at me like they're fucking Tom Cruise there. <laughs> so that was it. That was my Tuesday morning doing the gigs for AIB. But uh, great cause, great partners, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> the toughest. AIB were actually giving away tickets at that event. And with thanks to AIB, everyone in the room tonight would have an opportunity to yeah. win. Actually, I phrased that wrong. There isn't one for everyone in the audience. No, There's one no. pair of tickets that somebody in the audience will win tonight. So. We'll give you a little bit more detail on that later. It's under your seat. It's all with thanks to AIB. <laughs> <laughs> no, James, we did that the last time. <laughs> Not going to do it this time. Um, 
Jimmy, all Ireland final week. What was it like down in Clarny? Would you get plagued for tickets? Would you be yeah, you would alone? turn into the most popular man in Kerry over tickets because obviously Dublin get 90% of the tickets in Crow Park. <laughs> seven or eight between us then. Um, but I remember there was, um, there was one time we, we were playing Dublin. It wasn't a final, it was actually a semi-final. We were playing the Dubs in 16. And uh, I had to go to the... I was getting physio in Dublin with Cullen Fuller, great physio, I don't know, yeah, to use him yeah, in Santry. And I had to go up to him for a day. And Kerry were going on a... a kind of a, a weekend training session the same weekend. And I said to Eamon for Smart, I said, Eamon, I can't go on that training weekend. I need to go to Fuller in Santry, get my shoulder right. And he thought I was a bit scatty and he didn't really trust if I'd go to the physio <laughs> the weekend <laughs> off, I'd say. So he goes, look, James, you can go, but I don't want to hear now that you fucking missed the train or something happened that you didn't end up going to the physio. I said, no problem. <laughs> So I went up, I took the day off work on the Friday, went up, stayed at my brother's place in Dublin, and closed the door to go to bed. He never told me that the door on the bedroom was faulty. So I got up at seven o'clock in the morning, ready for my full day of, of physio in Dublin. Went to open the door, the whole door handle just came off of my hand like that. <laughs> If they fit to like, believe that. I was like, oh, Jesus, no, please. We were four stories up. There was no one else in the house. I was stuck in the room for eight hours. Oh, <laughs> I rang for Smaris. <laughs> I couldn't tell him that the door handle came up. I said, Eamon, I missed the train. <laughs> oh. The story went back. I got found out eventually, but fuck it, I never left it down after. Oh. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Did you ever tell him that, no? Fuller fucking told him. The, uh, <laughs> he, Colin Fuller, a great physio in Century, he was a comedic genius. And as soon as he heard, I literally was ruined for two years. Oh. Could not leave it down. <laughs> so Eamon found out, all right, but he... He half left me off. He dropped me, all right, but he left me off. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we have got two absolute legends coming up later on as a special guest. We do. Keno Sullivan is one of those men in the Eight All Ireland's club. Like, mm. now, you'll be hoping there'll be a few more added to that this weekend, is it? We'll McCarthy, it. Fitzsimons, Cluxton could make a group of their own if they win at the weekend? They could, they could. Yeah, There's a lot on the line. There's a lot on the line. Yeah, so Keno Sullivan joined us a little later, and Paul Galvin, what a legend. What a career he had in football. Like, Galvin's career goes back to the 90s playing football up until the mid-2000s. See, more, I spent, Unbelievable. when Galvin was announced, I've been shopping for the last three weeks trying to get some decent club off <laughs> Like, between the most handsome man in GEA and the most stylish man in GEA, and us three fucking oh. shams. You put us under pressure there. I thought you were talking about me and Tommy there. <laughs> <laughs> we're under pressure, but they'd be good guests. We, good we guess. are under pressure, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you and Galvin go back a while, don't you? Yeah, we do. Um, you Galvin, go back all the way to... Galvin, yeah, he trained us in the SEM, in secondary school. So you can imagine now David Clifford is teaching in the SEM as well. Oh, so you yeah. can imagine what influence that has on the, on the young fellas in the school. Galvin was the same. Like when Galvin was with... Uh, you can see Galvin. James yeah. number 11, just above him. You haven't Galvin. changed much, lad. Uh -huh. You haven't changed much. 
<laughs> Chase is Jimmy. Yeah. That Which, haircut I can't is see tragic. myself there. Where am I? Oh, but yeah, the haircut's not great, not to be no. fair. What is that, a mushroom? <laughs> but uh, you can imagine, though, having Galvin come in yeah. was unbelievable. Like. You lost, the, whole, you lost the Hogan Cup final, didn't you? We lost the Hogan Cup final by a point. We had a couple of injuries on the day, but Galvin, like... He came in and he just made you want to be a footballer. It was just incredible. Like, I think you need that kind what, of influence what, what in your career. What year was that? What year did Galvin come in teaching it? That was 2008. So he's and big honestly, time I, I, a football, I, I thought I was going to be David Beckham up until this. Like, I was obsessed <laughs> with soccer. Like, I, was, I was complete soccer head. And then I met Galvin and a few more. And it was literally football was yeah, it yeah. then. It was just a crazy kind of a, a change. But so he would have been a, a football mentor to you? Oh, he, honestly, what he did for some of those fellas in that school, like he changed all our coaching. I remember we used to be in study, we'd be studying for the Leaving Cert, and um, Galvin would, he'd come down, I never actually talked to him about this, and he'd drop a Vince Lombardi quote on the desk. <laughs> wow. So like, you'd be studying for maths, and next thing, he'd drop something on your desk, just the most motivational, inspirational quote. <laughs> Sure, there was no fucking leaving start being done after that. It was just like <laughs> out to the field. But like, you can imagine the amount of impact that had on us as young fellas was incredible. Like. So he was a football mentor, but was he a fashion mentor? I feel like I feel like you have a picture. Uh, <laughs> that is top class. Hang on. Oh, now, wow. Can I just say, wow. do we have any photos of Tommy? What the fuck's the story here? Like, we're getting destroyed. I love, do you know what I like most? The golf shoes. Oh, yeah. Golf shoes with the baggy pants is top class. What age is there? Baggy 26? pants are savage. They were I, all in. <laughs> I have to thank Mike Leahy in the same. Uh, he's done an awful lot of work on the St. Brendan's archive, and there's an unbelievable legacy around football here. Wow. Mike actually shared the photos on with me. Send me that Fair photo. <laughs> <laughs> it's, on my, it's on my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, yourself and Keen go back a long way. We do. Yeah, we're the same age. We, uh, we played the whole way up. Uh, underage with Dublin from development squads. Uh, he was with Crokes, obviously, he was with Bridget's. We'd, uh, funny, like, we were laughing when we both retired, we retired similar enough times. Uh, we had a horrendous underage career. We never won it. We were useless. We were beat by Leash, Offaly, you name it. Never won a Leinster, didn't even get the Leinster finals. And then we were both playing that day. Keane's championship debut was that 2009 game against, he came on and marked Galvin that day when we lost by 150 points to Kerry. Uh, I remember that day I was marking Gooch, I cost us 140 of those points. And we were sitting in the dressing room going, this is not all it's cracked up to be, is it playing with the tubs? Like, and what, 10 years later, we'd won. All right, all right, all right. He'd won eight, <laughs> we'd won seven. So we'd, uh, we didn't lose to Kerry again for a while. Well, now, we, we would have went through a lot of that stuff at the time. We, yeah, we'd be tight enough now, yeah. Um, I always remember, and he'll tell you himself now, when we finished, I, I finished in 2021 after the COVID year. And to be honest, I was on the scrap heap at that point. Desi was delighted to see the back of me. Uh, but Keane was still, Keane had loads of bad injuries and kind of, was him and Harbour trying to give it another go, and Desi actually wanted him to stay. <laughs> so it was like, uh, he had a really tough decision to make. He's like... A few of us had left, and he kind of felt mentally maybe I might go at this time. He'll tell you the story himself in a few minutes. But he's like, there's still that little bit of an itch that I can still add something here. And Dublin were going for seven in a row at that time. Like, and you know, Jimmy, when, when it comes to the end, 
it's it's a hard place to be, you know, no matter what success or failures you've had, it's a special opportunity to play. And Keane was kind of really torn about this at the end. And I remember meeting him on the side of the N11. <laughs> we were walking around the house in the state for about three hours. And he said, what you think, what you think? And I was going to say, look, it's, it's up to you, man. If you feel you have any sort of chance to keep going, well, then keep going. I said, if the body gives up, the body gives up. You know, you'll regret it more if you leave. And you'll always wonder, geez, maybe I would have had some miracle physio and I would have got through the season. You could have won the thing again. Um, but if, if that's in your head, you, you'll kind of regret that if you don't try it. So we went back and, and, and tried it for a couple of months and sure enough, the body gave up and he had to give it up. But I think he was far more at peace with going, he actually just couldn't do it anymore. And in a way, that's, that's maybe a nicer way to kind of finish up when you just go, I, can't, I left everything out there, I can't do it anymore. But I always remember we... We would have been tight and we would have had a couple of conversations when I'd finished and when he finished as well. So you have a connection with people when you, you spend that long with them. You'll have it with the Kerry guys, you have it with Paul, and we had it with our team as well. Not just Keane, but a lot of players. It was a big part of why we were successful, how tight we all were. So I always just had massive time for him. Always good at He was so good looking, but... <laughs> But he is, and he still is. He looks even fucking better tonight. And I was like, oh man. Did well, you not get Ono Garda on or something like uh, <laughs> that? Uh, but, uh, but now, now he's, he's a great bit of stuff, and they'll, be, they'll have good stories. <laughs> we have a thing tomorrow. It's actually in here, a reunion for 2013, and O'Gara's going to be there, and he's going to knock the bollocks out of me. Now. Anyway. Yeah, that mustache was impressive, wasn't it? Kino, it was. That's, he could even pull off a moustache. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> that's downstairs. That's, that's in the players' lounge. About half an hour after the five in a row, we had a good few points in there that day. And even that looks well, doesn't it? It's like, that's a trend. That's a trend. Like. Yeah. Well, I think, it's, uh, I think it's time to get out our special guest tonight. Could you please put your yeah. hands together for Paul Galvin and Kino Sullivan? Bigging you up. Um, nice. How are you, lads? One easy on us. Keen, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah. Paul Thanks Galvin. It's great. Thanks for coming along. Great to have you here. It's like, it's like the late show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just pulled you from the cafeteria. James, James disappointed you didn't get the call for the late show. Oh. James and Paddy. I'll take the Renault. I don't know about the rest of it. <laughs> 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 James O'Donoghue, uh, in that St. Brendan's team that you would have coached, did you know he was going to become the footballer he did? Uh, I did, to be honest with you, because most people in Kerry were aware of him. Uh, he was one of these, he was one of these pro- prodigies that was, that was known. So I did say it to him, actually. I don't know if you remember this, but I do, yeah. we, won, we won a Munster final, Carnivore final. Sam hadn't won it in maybe 15 or 16 years. But we had uh, given James a... We pulled a little bit of a stroke with James on the day he was playing in a particular position all year. And we just changed him out to the 40 for a particular reason. And he, he just nailed it, you know what I mean? He got, I think he got 1-6 that day. And that was the day I knew he was going to make it. 
and we were walking off, this was 2006, seven or eight maybe, and walking off the field that day, I said, we're going to play for Kerry together. And, <laughs> and we, we probably didn't do it enough really. I only got a few games with him and a few short years with him, unfortunately. But I mean, he was always going to make it. I think he, a lot of people were aware of him from, yeah. from, from a young age. I was very lucky to see him and work with him at that age. He was a super talent and, and a guy that, you know, everybody in Kerry loved him. We loved him as a teammate and it was great to see him blossom, you know. It's a wonder they kept their feet in the ground after a comment like that, James. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> no, I, I definitely shit my pants after that. <laughs> I was like, this is no real, like, this is you have to kick on. At the same time, so it was a case of, even Paul saying to me at the time, you actually have ability, like, do you want to go ahead and do it or not, do you know, so well, the, that was the, an incredibly powerful. The ability was obvious to everybody, everybody in Kerry knew about James really at that age, he, he was no, known, but it was the fact of, and, and I suppose I would have us, I even now would, would rate him really highly, if you're a coach and you, you kind of, you pull a stroke on the day of a game, and you tell this guy, look, here's what we're going to do because they're doing this, we're going to do this. So you need to do a little bit of this and we're going to... Uh, when you give a player that kind of instruction and he nails it, that's how I knew. It, was, it, was, it wasn't to do with the ability, it was the, it was the intellect. Yeah, yeah. At, at 17, to be able to take the instruction, completely nail it and, and win us the game, you know? Yeah. That was the difference, I think. Keen, yourself and Paddy grew up playing underage together, didn't you? We did, yeah. Yeah, and you kind of broke through around the same time under Pat Gilroy. Was it 08 or 09? Yeah, you were probably 08, so I was 09, Rio 07. Nice. You're going to go with Pillar. Pillar was last year. We got hammered by Tyrone that year as well. So traumatic early experience now. But, uh, I'm glad but, yeah, I missed those we, 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 We're so. just saying we, we had a terrible underage, didn't we? We played the whole way up and we couldn't we, hardly win we, a game. We did. We shared a lot of lows early on, and then thankfully they turned into some highs. But, uh, <laughs> Remember one that particularly stands, still to this day stands out as a sore point, but I think Offaly in a Leinster semi final. Yeah, yeah. Or is it even a Leinster final? Two Offaly people there. Okay, yeah. you've told the story already, have you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ken, was it Ken Casey? He scored Ken two. Casey, corner two, forward. Corner yeah. forward, scored two. Points, yeah. We lost two, six to 11 points, I think. Yeah. A classic. But a minor, like, it's mi- minor. It's minor. minor means so much. And at like the time, at the time, like inconsolable after that defeat. Um, and we had a really good team. Like mm. if you look back at the amount of players from that crop that then went on to play part of that good Dublin team that won a couple of All Irelands, um, there was a quite a, quite a mm. number of those players there. But underage, yeah, it's funny. For some reason, didn't click. Yeah, but it's just even listening and even looking back on what your Dublin team go on to achieve. Those losses obviously had a massive impact. Like whether they checked you or made you rethink what you were doing. Paddy mentioned it earlier. Was this your debut coming off the bench in 2009? My debut. Uh, 27 minutes in, Kerry yeah. won 10. Dublin have just scored their second or third point. They yeah, had your own mark, Paul Galvin. Footballer of the year that year, I think, yeah. maybe as well. So my debut coming in. Is that your debut? Your championship debut? points were down, 11 points down after 26. Jesus. God, That's some baptism of fire. Yeah. We were looking for an impact off. We didn't yeah. get anything out of it. I think they might bring on some forwards to score a few points, but yeah, we'll bring on a halfback. I, I remember it very well. Do you? He went on a burst shortly after that. He went on a burst down the field and didn't get a pass. Brogan didn't give it to him. Didn't get a pass. That sounds about right. Thank you. <laughs> whoever, yeah. whoever, 
Whoever didn't pass that ball, I, thank you. I, I think you were safe enough at that stage now, to be fair. <laughs> but that was it, 2009, you know, the start of Leerweeks, we lost by 17 points that day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Two years later, different story, you know, so... Yeah. So, yeah, a lot, a lot changed. Paddy and I would have been on that journey a lot to get... Paddy, underage, was a child prodigy. He was talk of the town in Dublin. Uh, probably helped that he was the same size that he is now from the age of probably seven. <laughs> the arse was, was a bit bigger you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But he was prophecy as well, was, I think, was it? You were playing minor at like... 15. 15. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was three or four years minor, so... Um, good time. Just, you talk about it, Jimmy. We've spoken about this on the pod a couple of times before. That nearly... And this nearly proves the point that you're right, when you're, when you're 16, 17, 18 years of age, that's all that matters to you. This is life. Yeah. Believe it's hurt and all that stuff is great, but it's you're winning with your teammates, with your school or your club or your county. And Jimmy, you've always said it. Nearly losing those type of games can nearly be better in the long term. That it builds that bit of edge, bit of resilience in a player. That, and this was definitely a thing for me. Uh, I thought it was better than it was, and I wasn't. And you get your feedback when you go up the levels, and being great at underage and being successful at underage can nearly soften you in a way. I think that's what's so impressive with Clifford because he's had incredible success at underage and it's nearly been seamless his transition into the senior team. But those big defeats, I think most certainly in our experience and with a lot of those guys, Johnny Cooper, Rory O'Carroll these guys, Dermot Connolly, they were hard times, but it made you appreciate and it made you focus a hell of a lot more as you broke into the senior team and leads to that success. So it's, there's brilliant lessons to be learned, both on the pitch and off the pitch from those defeats and nearly winning a lot earlier can be, make you a little bit soft at times. But losing, losing is way more powerful. Like even, even when you win and you're young, you're reading the paper, you're fucking listening to your aunt or your uncle telling listen you the truth. Listen to podcasts, like. Even, do you remember when Jack, yeah, listen to podcasts. When, when Jack was, um, was manager, Paul, I remember he used to say, under no circumstances would anybody to read the fucking paper, like, because it softens, it just softens your mind. I would have thought that went without saying no, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazed. I'm amazed anybody there was, was thinking about reading papers. There was a few up the top papers. of the bus with the, the double spray. I, the, <laughs> I kept a few. I, I would find a few. I, would, I kept a few bits for sure, like, but I, you, it can be useful, but, oh, Jesus, I mean, as a, as a hobby now and a regular thing of a... I'm amazed that anybody would be thinking about re- reading a newspaper. Yeah, yeah fair enough. But to, to Paddy's point. To Paddy's point. <laughs> and it's... Um, <laughs> I, I have every cutout that I've ever known on my show. But to Paddy's uh, point, and it's a huge one, and it's the one I think about a lot, and I specifically with Stephen Cluxton. Yeah. I think I'm right in saying he had 12 years playing, or 11 years playing. 2001 was a senior debut. Wow. 10 years before he wins his first All-Ireland. That's a whole career. Unreal. It's absolutely incredible. So, you know, I, I, and I look at my own career, let's say, I was quite old. I found it hard to make it. I was 24 making my championship debut. You know, 25, 26, and you're, it's, prob- it's possibly too late. Yeah. But I started Why was at 24. It so late Pardon? Why was it so late for you? Um, I don't know. I was a bit immature, maybe. I... Uh, I don't really know. Paddy was there at the time. I would love to have played for Paddy. I was trying my hardest. I was trying my hardest, and I really wanted to play for Paddy. And and but I was in there as a sub and that. But I didn't make a championship debut. I didn't make a championship start till, till 24, at 2004, age 24. And I was around for a year or two prior to that. 
and I got a co- I, 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 I had an injury one year, and anyway, I didn't, I didn't make it because I didn't make it, but the thing was, so the next six years, my first six years, six, six finals, win four. And, you know, I've whatever many, five, four, five or six more years left, and no, and no, no All-Ireland. No Sam. Right? So I, I think that's a, a very interesting piece about that, that, that starting out and getting the success early or not getting it early. And if you don't get it early, what you make of it when you do get it. And these guys, I think, are just making the absolute most of it. And Cluxton, you know, I think he deserves so much credit. I, I, I just find that fact phenomenal, that you could go 10 years and be the brunt of and be the focus of criticism, and be the focus of some mistakes, and cost some goals, and you know what I mean? He, he had his moments out here where yeah. mistakes were made, and he, there, was, there was questions asked, and now, I mean, to do what he has done, I must say, is, it's, it's one of the greatest achievements in sport for me. Um, and you know, more look to him, like, I, I see him back now, and I think, I think, I mean, ten, 10 years is a career, and, and, and yeah. what, how he has turned it around, I think, is phenomenal. He's 42 now, isn't he? 42, yeah. It's unbelievable. Some people were saying it was desperate that he came back. Uh, we, might hold, we might hold that. I'm not naming any names. I never said anything against Cluxton. I'm not naming any names. I never said anything against Cluxton. I said. Look at this. I can't even remember what I said. Dig up. <laughs> hold on. I don't hold think on. we should talk hold about on. that. Hold on. Hold on. I'd, be, actually, I'd, be surprised, I'd be surprised if he did. Let's have I'd a look be surprised if there wasn't a point. Let's actually have a look at that. Well, we have the clip. Brilliant. Even better. What were you saying, Jimmy? Can I, can I ask you why? Like, why, why would he come back? Why would they want him back? You're, you're not, you're not <laughs> picking him up either, Tommy. Yeah, he's 41. It's two and a half years after he's retired. He's still one of the best players that's ever played GAA. You don't think Stephen Cluxton, okay, even if he's not at his absolute peak of 10 years ago, you, do you not think he would add something positive to that dress room? I don't doubt that. Really? I just, I guess I'm wondering what's driving the question. Like, you can try and put a negative spin on this. I don't see how you can put a negative spin on this. There is, there is a negative spin. Smells of desperation. There is a negative spin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No. This, every week I have to deal with this made. stuff, like. We only have two goalies, two good goalies, in fairness. Yeah, yeah. Comfort Keep it rolling. He'll be back. They're bringing back a 41-year-old. You're thinking, where are the leaders in that dressing room to take that on in the last two and a half years, rather than have to revert back? Like, I know they brought back many, they brought back McCaffrey, brilliant additions and everything, but now to go back to Cluxton as well, it's like you're kind of almost flogging a dead horse rather than kind of moving on. So they could have, they could have gone and, and oh, Jimmy. got new leaders to take that group Flogging a dead horse. It does smell a bit of desperation, in my opinion. Okay. I, wow. I will give it to you, James. No, my point there was. My point there was. <laughs> where was everyone else in the dressing room to take it on in the period of him not being there? That was my point. Like, the, the, everything has to move on after unbelievable characters and leaders leave the dressing room. But it was a sign, I thought at the time, that this Dublin dressing room hasn't moved on to the to next level without him and that they had to bring him back wasn't a good sign of the camp. I actually stand by that. That's not to say that he is not the best goalkeeper of all time. Jesus Christ, one of the best athletes in Ireland ever. There's no doubt about that. But if, if for an insight, I thought at the time, 
into the Dublin dressing room. It just, it just didn't sit great at the time that they had Comerford and they had O'Hanlon. He was injured. Oh, O'Hanlon was, well, Comerford had a knock. O'Hanlon was starting. <laughs> this is great. Comerford was injured. This is a great watch. Back to the Renaults. <laughs> <laughs> but Thank you, I will say, if he comes back, <laughs> if he comes back and wins it, I will hold my hands up and I'll say, look, fair enough. But there's one more game. Yeah. No. There's one more game. Yeah. It came out today that he's still in the retired Dublin WhatsApp group. Michael Darren McCauley confirmed that earlier on. He never puts that in any, any group anyway. So it probably is. Probably in about 50 WhatsApp groups. Who's the admin of that? But you see, he, he was working all the time. He wasn't. Do you reckon? Wasn't, oh yeah, you, you know, you know, this guy was watching. I'm sure was watching and minding himself. And it's no coincidence he's no goal conceded either, by the way. Yeah. You know? And he could play next year. You know what I mean? I don't buy into this that it's one year for him. It, pro- it possibly is, and it's possibly one year for the others. But from what I can see of Cluxton, he could easily play again next year and play for two, two more years. I could, you couldn't predict the guy, I don't think. No, yeah. 100%, Paul. He's an incredible athlete that some people mightn't fully appreciate. Um, the physical condition that he's in, yeah. um, strength and conditioning, top of the pops in the team. Like, you know, if you're doing a 10-yard dash... His power of a standing position, his head and shoulders now, he might trail off once he get past 10 yards, but from zero to 10, he's out like a shot in front of everyone. Um, like the training, prep, the way he looks after his body is like, you know, he being in goals is not better. an easy position. You know, it's, it's yeah. really, really challenging. He possibly feels he's better now. He possibly feels himself he's better than he was before. You know, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know what kind of work he was doing. But this type of mentality, mm. You never know what he discovered while he was out. Yeah. What kind of new preparation, techniques, training, habits he picked up. He could feel himself, and that's all that matters. He could feel himself that he's better the, than he was The big was thing, Paul, but I was defending him, and I'd, we're very nearly protective of him because we were fortunate enough to, to play with him. He's such a incredible player, but an incredible teammate as well. As well. And, and at that time, he hadn't played in two years. And look, he's a little bit older. And, we weren't certain that he was going to come back and do what he's done in the summer on the pitch. Technically, he's been outstanding. His kickouts, he hasn't missed a beat. But even if that had deteriorated, and we weren't sure at the time because, look, that could possibly have happened, what he brings to the dressing room and the impact he has in terms of lots of those younger guys, the likes of David O'Hanlon, Evan Comerford, lots of new guys that had to come into the Dublin team because... Well, we're all washed up now, we're gone. Dublin needed to bring through new guys, and that was a big challenge for Desi Farrell. Cluxton just being there, he trains every day now like he did 20 years ago. It's incredible. Like, there's never, like, not, not one day, one session, one gym session, one recovery session, one analysis session where he's not on it all the time. And that alone, if this guy is coming back and he's won 100 All-Irelands, and he comes into the dressing room, and you're a kid looking at him, well, you better get your fucking act together. Because if he's doing it, everyone else has to as well. And that alone was what he was going to bring into, into the dressing room. And it's just so happened, and we shouldn't be surprised, because we've been fortunate enough to play with him for so long, that he just happens to be unbelievable on the pitch as well. So, In, in the dressing room dynamics, I've always been curious to this. Is he one of the lads, or is he nearly in a tier of his own, closer to the managers? Or, like, what, what, how does that work like? <laughs> like, 
there's a common misconception that he's no crack. He's yeah. Which is not true. He's one of the lads. So yeah. yeah, he is. He is. Okay. It's very funny. Well, James, James, James just took two goals in him in 2013, so James is probably looking at him going, I stuck two goals in him, he's, he's only okay. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> we might be coming back to that in a few minutes. James, you would have seen that yourself in Kerry, certain players coming back into the dressing room or players coming back at certain times and they just raise the standards, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And it, Do you want me to leave you for a few e- minutes to recover? Will I? No, I like... <laughs> I think that a player going back into a dressing room, you have to be absolutely, like, fucking on it. Yeah. And there's, there's no doubt about that. And I remember there was, there was one time, actually, I, I don't know if I said this before, but Paul came back into the dressing room at 13, after maybe taking a break after 12. No, but during the league. Do you remember we played the whole National League in 13 with a fucking bang average team? And we, we were nearly getting relegated. You were all kids, weren't you? Yeah. And... I don't think you played National League in 13. You came back towards the, towards the end of National League. And without even knowing it, our training sessions, it actually, it actually just dropped down in quality a bit. Just absolutely naturally, maybe a couple of big leaders weren't there in the dressing room. Just like you say, Paddy, is someone on it all the fucking time. Standards, yeah. And I remember one, one of the older fellas kicked the ball down the line in training and it went over the the end line and it would have been a senior enough player and Paul uh, turned to him and said what the fuck was that like do you know I heard he was like not like that (laughs) 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 you said what on earth was that never what the was that (laughs) but we everyone in training just went whoa it was like anyway sort your kicking sort your kicking we're kicking team sort your kicking and for a kind of a, an elite leader to, to almost go after another leader, an elite player, and just raise everyone else. I remember we talked about it in our own little circles for so long after. It was like, we got to be on it. It just, yeah. without him saying anything individually to maybe some of the younger players, just that little bit of a nugget of, of criticism towards a fellow on his level did so much for the group. So like, when you say that about someone like Clarkson, I can understand it. But I'd still have left Comerford and goals. <laughs> so, uh, Paul Mannion comes back, Jack McCaffrey comes back, Cody Basquiat is actually brought back as well, he's, he's had an unbelievable year. Stephen Cluxton comes back. The one that caught my eye was Pat Gilroy coming back. And we mentioned 09 there and, and the role that Gilroy had in mm. turning it around for 11. Were you, were you called to come back in? No, no I was not, <laughs> unfortunately. But Gilroy, Gilroy going back, what, what did that say to you boys? Well, again, like, like the Cluxton um, proposition, like if you have this tool at your disposal, like give me a, any manager in the country that's going to say no to having someone like Pat. He's a scary man. And whatever, whatever capacity that is. I'm he's a sure scary what. man. Yeah, but again, he's, he's, he's a hardy ex, but he's, he's quite a lot of fun too. And he develops a really good rapport and connection with the players, you know. Um, and they love having him around the dressing room. And um, what was he like after that game in '09? Ah, <laughs> uh, nobody was like anything after that game in '09. It was curl up in a ball and find a quiet little corner to hide away. Um, <laughs> I do remember. I do remember after that game because um, obviously we were getting a lot of abuse from fans and rightly so. And uh, there was the potential for a lot of fingers to be pointed and. 
who was to blame or, or, or what went wrong, but Pat that night, we were going out to drown our sorrows, and he just pulled us in and he said, lads, I've been in dress rooms before, defeats like this, and it's a cancer, stick together tonight, do not go off in little pods, little clicks, you know, look yourself in the mirror, take accountability for the game that you played today, and that's the only person that's answerable to the performance, nobody else. And don't be going pointing fingers or saying what it should have cut us. Something that, that stuck with me, but he was always very straight mm. and he's very much about taking personal responsibility. Um, and I think, you know, that's something that teams try and achieve and talked about a lot. You know, if you see something, say it. But it's kind of hard, especially when your teammates, it's kind of hard to pull them up on things. And, you know, sometimes it's hard giving constructive or negative feedback. Mm. Pat has no problems with that. Yeah. And he's always <laughs> dead on the money when he yeah. says it as well, so yeah. um, yeah, no, he's definitely a, a massive addition. Yeah, we might come back to some of that later on. Paul, when you're reared in a team of the O'Shea brothers and Seamus Moynihan, you know, backbone on it, and you've got yourself and Declan and Gooch and Starr in the mid-2000s, I presume you're all standard setters for each other. That must have been a ferocious dressing room to be a part of. Um, yeah, it was, I suppose. I, th- th- that was kind of the, the, the remnants of Pawdy's team that I would have been probably a, a fringe player on and J- Jack took the reins and at the end of 03 and it was a very different side really when I was only today when I was thinking about it when I was thinking about the, f- the 14 side we'll say that James was the, the kind of key part of to the 04 team I mean it's so different so different in terms of personality and the, probably the age profile that 04 team was probably a bit of was an older team but um, yeah, you know, I suppose that's my, that's where I come from, really. I'm, I'm more, I'm old school, really. Like, that was my, that was my come up. Seamus Moynihan, um, Dara, uh, like William Kirby. You know, I think Sunday, Sunday's crying out for William Kirby. That type of player, really important player for Kerry in, this, in that early stage, 04, 05, 06. He, he, he was a great player for us. Johnny Crowley was another guy on that team that, you know, really brilliant Brilliant players, really hard to handle, mentally tough, physically tough, plenty of football. And um, yeah, that was Jack. That, I suppose, I suppose it, an interesting thing about that team was that that final in 04, we won without Dara and Seamus Moynihan. So on the back of that 03, you know, Tyrone won that 03 yeah. semi-final. To think that, whatever, eight or nine months later, if somebody set you after that semi-final, you'll win next year's All-Ireland without Darrow O'Shea and without Seamus Moynihan. But Paul, he, he had been, and this is my only mention I'm going to give him tonight, he had been hammered by Mead in 2001. <laughs> Had to get something in. 2000, 2002, beaten in the All-Ireland semi-final, Tyrone in 2003, All-Ireland final in 2002, Tyrone in 2003. 2004 wasn't a gimme. Like Kerry were under savage pressure oh. that year. It was a big part of my education, really, as a player. It was my introduction. I watched the 0-1 game on the Cusick stand, and that was a destruction by me. There was really just a real destruction in every way. I was watching the 0-2 final at home in, in Kerry, and I was on the line. Right, I witnessed the whole, that whole swarm wow. episode, and it was just a huge part of my, my education as a player. So when I got in in 4 I thought, there's no rules to this, really. And I, and I said, I will, give it, I will give everything I've seen in the last three years, I'm going to give back. And uh, <laughs> that, was, that was my simple, simple enough tactic. But, um, but it was, it was like, it was a big, it was a big, um, 
It was a big one. It was a big yeah. win. That, 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 to do it especially without Dara and Seamus then for the final. Yeah. They were the leader. They were the best players. Like, they were two of the best players in the country and our two best players. So it was really down to Jack. Jack. Jack was very systematic at the time. He did a lot of coaching. I got a lot of coaching from him. And he was very deliberate in terms of how we played. Uh, positionally, he was big on positions. I know it's interesting to watch him today where the game has gone and there are no positions. And, and he, there's things happening now that I look back, whatever, 15 years ago, or how long ago, 20 years, nearly 20 years ago. And, and you think, well, he would never have allowed that. You know, you see these, you see, I was at the Loud game actually, and early in the Loud game, I was behind the goals, Kerry were attacking, and a couple of minutes into the game, the top, the nearest three players to the goal, to the loud goal, were Gavin, um, Graham O'Sullivan, Jason Foley, and Tom O'Sullivan, oh. up here right in front of me. Now, I was, like, Jack would have lost his mind over that <laughs> when we were starting out. If I got ahead of the ball, he'd stop the game. Get out of there, don't go here until this happens, and he was very, was co coaching. I know the game is just different and he, he's evolved with it and I think this is a thing that teams do. They mm. take, 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 take you up and take you out of position and try and occupy these blanket defences and whatnot. And interesting evolution, you know? Yeah. But that, um, yeah, that was a very interesting 04 team. My favourite favorite Kerry team was that 04 team. Was it really? Okay. Yeah. But what was that like for unbelievable like say, legends of the game in that 04 team and obviously parties? personality and his reputation as a coach and then Jack comes in and starts trying to implement quite a lot of change nearly radical change in 04 and you've got the likes of Seamus Moynihan and the O'Shea's and that. were they receptive to that? There's obviously a massive connection with party or was that a seamless transition or was that a, a difficult at times for Jack? I'd say it was challenging like to be fair it was a t tough situation you know the circumstances of Paddy's exit yeah, was, yeah. Was, was rough on Paddy and it was rough on the boys and it was public and yeah. it, was it was tough I remember all that playing out so whoever came in had a management issue there I think yeah. with regard to just you know c c communicating with the boys and bringing bring them so listen I don't know but I know that there, there was it would have been a challenge for, for anybody um and then in terms of the playing, like, I was somebody he coached a lot, and I needed it. Mm. Dara, I, I, I don't know, did, did, did he give the same level, or did the boys need the same level of coaching? Um, Dara, Tomás, and, and Mark, probably, probably with Tomás, maybe, he liked Tomás to release the ball. He liked Tomás to run without the ball. Okay. Yeah. He liked Tomás to release it and move rather than carry it. Yeah. At the time, he, he didn't like halfbacks carrying the ball at all. And Tomás would carry it a bit, and I, I, I would have noticed it a lot because I was probably looking at Tomás going by me. Give us a. And if you're going by yeah. Bernard yeah, yeah, yeah. at that time, yeah. so, and it's and it's one I look at. The, I look at wing forwards today, you know, and they don't get a lot of ball from halfback. No. Dara Moyne and Adrian Spillan. I I needed it. We would have played halfback to half forward a lot. Yeah. Oh. Oh, but Jack had to. <laughs> Jack had to introduce that and he had to coach that and he'd have to say to Tomás, use him and go again and you know, he'll pull his man with him and there'll be more space inside or whatever. But do you so. think, Paul, that that's Jack's mantra or do you think that he went with that because that was what he had in front of him? Like, is he told... Did he go with half-back to half-forward that time because of the half-back and half-forward and players he had? And has he told these fellas not to do that because of what he has. Like if you even look at the, the kick passers that we have in the half-back line at the moment, we probably don't have 
that we have kind of ball carriers rather than kickers, and our half forward line players probably don't make those runs for a kick pass either. There's a skill in receiving a kick pass that people don't actually appreciate. I don't think we have that. So do you think that he made it a case of we'll do the kicking because of what he had with G, or was that his philosophy that he's just abandoned? Oh, I don't think he's abandoned it. I just think the game. I think it's the. I think it's the way the game is now. Uh, and I yeah. think probably the boys are doing the coaching. Maybe as well. I don't know. Is who, I don't know who's doing the coaching. Is, is he doing it or? Paddy Talley's probably Paddy doing. However, but certain teams you had to do it. Against Cork, we would always do it. Against Cork, we would always go half back to half forward. Yeah. And it would just engage all these Cork ba- half backs. It was. It was like. Well, I think every top team does that. I, I just think it's a natural thing to go. Get your, you should have your almost the most creative players in the half forward line, 10, 11, 12. Pepper them with ball as much as you can. Get them, get them on a kick pass. The link men. ASAP. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, Alan yeah. Brogan used to do it yeah. perfectly yeah. for Dublin. CK in that role can do it too. Where you're linking the defence transition out into the offence, you know. Um, probably not seeing it as much as no. that in previous years. You were obviously very good at it. Um, I saw, I saw we I were also playing very long at the time we were also playing very long we would actually have played I remember my first championship game against Clare and I was going from half back to full forward yeah. so it, was, it was going long 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 the ball was. the ball the ball yeah the boys were but bombing. even in 0-4 in the final we went long 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 we did from the middle of the field though yeah. Johnny Crowley started that day or was that 6 he started 0-4 Jack pulled a trick in yeah. 0-4 started yeah, Crowley did, yeah didn't think Mayo could handle the defence. And he was a huge player for us. Yeah. And Kirby was a huge player for us. Yeah. I think the big thing on it, and we would have seen this a lot through our team, teams, the best teams and the best coaches need to evolve with the changes. And I think Jack O'Connor's longevity is a testament to that. But even in our period, we won Jim Gavin's first year in 2013. We obviously a very famous game against you guys in the semi-final, but it was unbelievably enjoyable to play like. yeah. it was uh, there wasn't a whole point of tactics it was full court press. we're attacking we're yeah. going to go full court press we'll go after the kickouts. we'll kick the ball there'll be loads of mistakes you do a couple of the games you're on during COVID and you've seen them and it's like Jesus you're looking at it now because you've gone through the evolution and all that mad we've never played that way and we ended up evolving to say James last year the, the five in a row game in 19 where we had developed into a very hmm, measured style of play um, where kicking the ball away was just an absolute yeah. cardinal sin. And that was just in the space of six years with the same players and the same managers, but we had to look at it and say that we were kind of scared by the Donegal game of 14, and it was like, scrap ball, that's all lovely, it'd be great to do that, but we just got to win, and we felt we had to change our style. Pretty radical changes in how we attacked, yeah. Yeah, but I also think it was, it was in response to how teams were setting up against us as well. It wasn't mm. always driven by what we were trying to achieve. So you had a period of mass defences, now we're seeing a bit yeah, of possession, yeah. keep ball. Um, and the top teams have to cut their cloth to set up against these styles of play. You know, I'm hoping and I'm thanking that the two teams that are playing on Sunday won't yeah. be setting out that way and it'll be more traditional type setups. And we'll see hopefully some snippets of uh, 2013 uh, well, relived again. But um, speak, Speaking of 2013, Keen, some of the football played that day was glorious. Let's have a look at this. Jim Connolly there with him. He has to go back and get help from Colin Cooper. <laughs> Thought about the shot. <laughs> oh, oh, is that Jimmy? Nice finish, Keeper. Jamesy. 
<sighs> that is a nice finish. Addy, <laughs> uh, you actually called for this tape today. This is quite an important video clip in the history of your team. I'm so <laughs> sick of this clip. <laughs> pause that just there now. If you could pause it, just go back one second. Yeah, we'll get it back in a second. Talk yeah. us through. Why was that so important to your team? You win this game. It's we, an unbelievable we, we, game of football. Well, it's this man here has had six years of hardship after it. We, we sat, we sat down after, uh, Tuesday night after, and we were reviewing the game. And uh, Deck Darcy was brilliant coach, defensive coach. <laughs> Shows that clip. <laughs> What's wrong with this? And we're all scribbling. No, but you're, with your notepad and your pen. And, oh, this is going to be great point, Jim. Yeah, totally agree. And... Uh, and Keno got pulled on it. And it was like, uh, rewind the clip again, and if you just pause it here, you got pulled. This conversation went on for f- fucking about three hours. That, that Keno Sullivan should have been one step further to his left to cut off the passing lane. And this is what we were like as a team, and this was kind of the early iterations of it. We spoke about this. We couldn't get out of St. Clair's. They wouldn't let us leave until we could all get agreement. And Keno, why didn't you take one step to the left in half a second of play? But is that, is that step from not, Gooch that unmarkable? It was to play a little deep. Like, uh, I would be glad if it was just those three hours that was the start <laughs> and end years. of that conversation. It was 10 years of that. Remember Kerry 2013? Yeah. And I was like, jeez, anytime we played against Kerry, they loved that pop ball into the D, you know? Yeah. Protect the D, protect the full back line. Like, that was a moment of genius from the Gooch, in fairness, but I was kind of the extra man in that play, <laughs> and apparently I should have been closer in so that James <laughs> could have had the ball. Or if I was pressing, make yourself useful and press, and don't let him yeah. get that it pass. Was, it was, but, I, I remember it. You were getting hammered, and all the corner uh, forwards yeah. were up, writing away, looking around like, yeah, Keen, what the fuck are we at? Like, what's... <laughs> We're up, we're up kicking all the spinners and you can't take one step to your left leg. It, actually, it went on for so long that it was just, at the end, I didn't agree with it, at the end I was like, yeah, fine. Yeah, <laughs> that was a pretty good finish it too. It won't happen again, that's fine. I don't know if you remember the weekend before that game in Fota. Mm-hmm. We, we, did a, we did a weekend in Fota the weekend before that game. Those passes that day by Gooch, I, I, I actually felt, for Gooch, they were okay. They were okay. Hmm. I, I, I don't know if you remember the pass in the training game the weekend before. He pulled the pass out of the bag the weekend before that. That is the, still remains the yeah. best I've ever seen. He pulled the pass out of the left-hand corner forward position. So it was, like a, it was like a cross into the box in a game of soccer. So the end line was here, and he, he, he just won it, and he looked into the middle, and Dar- Darren was coming through the middle in line with the back post. He had to, take, he had to beat his man, the goalie, and Darren's man, and he just whipped this cross into the box, right into Darren's pans, and he just he put it in the net. And it's the only time I've ever gone. Wow, what a what a pass! It's just it was just like yeah, like like a like a cross into the box in soccer. Yeah. Like much better than those. Yeah. I thought. I, I thought it was just it was amazing. He had less space. He had less space to play with. Yeah. Uh, Darren was moving at top speed. There was the width of the ball in terms of space to play with to get it across it was, it was amazing but I, I think the genius in that move was well, your goal you're finished <laughs> <laughs> you're finished like, is it no, I, 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 uh, you'll you see me on the ground I, as well I, I there which is another story probably taking a point here only it was it was harder to chip a point the angle I was going than to because it was early in the game but with, with Gooch he took two steps back 
while still being in, in complete control of where he was and where he will be in a couple of seconds' time with his head up. And we had meetings upon meetings about whenever the Gooch was out there, someone had to be running towards the penalty spot because there will be a goal chance. <laughs> Every time Gooch got the ball in his hand, he just had a brain that was on a different yeah. wavelength. And the amount of times he actually picked up the ball right on the 11 spot. It's the hardest ball to get in football, I think, that you're actually getting the ball on the 11 spot and you can turn and kick it into the full forward. If you can get those two passes off, it's a goal chance and Gooch would always get them off. Yeah. It was just different level. You can't underestimate the soft hands from Dunica Walsh there he, as well. He got himself in that position so many times. Yeah. I think about player, 16 yeah. as well, a little deft touch to yeah. set up a goal and um, we were always very wary of him because obviously he was a, a massive worker and put in huge yards but offensively like he was a very tricky one for sneaking in behind. Picked up great positions, yeah. Yeah, and picking up yeah. really dangerous positions and good example of it there, yeah. He would put up ridiculous numbers in the oh, yes. Imagine. Like, ridiculous. And we, then he just end up, when his man was knackered, he'd just creep in the back door yeah, and yeah. waving his hands <laughs> in oceans of space. You'll, you'll, you'll notice I'm on the ground in that clip as well, by the way, which is another matter. Which is, and the linesman saw what happened. And anyway. <laughs> anyway. And, there was, and there was blood. And there was blood. But anyway. I missed that. You, uh, you love playing the dubs. Like, I, I've been reading your book back this week. There's an unbelievable story from 04 when you said you're just stabbing your, yourself as an intercounty footballer. And there's a moment at halftime when you play the dubs in the quarterfinal. The Kerry team are out. You're, it's a draw game. The dubs have left you waiting for two minutes and it hits you what it means to be playing county football against the Dubs. Yeah, yeah, there was that moment. I still remember it really clearly. It was a very strong moment for me in terms of, it was 2004, it was probably my fourth championship game, three in Munster, and that was the quarterfinal, I think, which was my fourth, my fourth game. And it just the hill, the hill that day, I'll never forget it, wait, <laughs> waiting for the Dubs to come out. I was, I was on the Hogan side, and they started up, they started that chant of the boys in blue. And it was just their hands. It looked like a shoal of fish. Their hands were way, their hands were going. The chant was amazing. They were just singing in unison. It looked amazing. It sounded amazing. It felt amazing. And I thought, wow, this is incredible. And I just, it still now even gives me goosebumps now to think of it. Um, but yeah, and I just felt that from then on, I just said, I want this. I really want to be part of this going forward, you know. Uh, and it was, um, yeah, I can imagine as, as a player, when, when they get behind you, it's got to be powerful. As an opponent, you've got to go with it. You've got to try and allow it in and, and inspire you, but I can imagine. It, and it may have been tough for the early Dublin teams, I'd say, maybe dealing with it, you know, if you weren't, if you weren't winning. That was probably a bit of pressure attached to the hill, maybe, but... <laughs> I found it very interesting. You yeah. scored more points in your career against Dublin than you did against any other county. So, just showed you you raised your levels. Oh, in your well, I, I was far, far from prolific now, but I've, I've asked Paddy quite a few times in the pod that, that feeling, like like we've mentioned the Kevin McMinniman goal when he's going for a point in thirteen, the noise in the stadium <laughs> that day. Was that the moment that sticks out? What is the like? No, that you're, is, you're a man that is that's that one sticks out head and shoulders. Some of the rest. That was just the roof just lifted <laughs> on the place. And when, you, when the ball goes in and you're playing, you're just so focused on autopilot, you could be playing anywhere. And there's been two occasions, I think, when I've kind of snapped out of it and been like, holy Christ, what's going on here? And Kev Mack scored that goal. Like, I actually 
think the ground was shaking. Like the place just <laughs> erupted. And yeah, phenomenal. Clear as day as, to, as today. Um, and then 2016 as well. I think when Dermo got that score. Um, left with the left peg yeah. after missing two or three before that. But what, a, what an amazing score. But they are, they're, they're big moments and they're big momentum, momentum shift. Luckily, those two moments that I remember were positive ones for Dublin. I can only imagine what it feels like being on the opposite end of, of, of a situation like that. It's amazing yeah. if the two boys here would have been sucker punched by both of those scores. 16 and 13. 16. What, what's 16 like? was... Um, you know, the free that wasn't given. Oh, yeah, Goff. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone get Goff a pointer? Dave, go out and get a pointer. It's on me. That, that, was, that was a free. That 13 one, though, was so tense because it was a level when that kickle came out. It was... Yeah, it was. Darren, it Darren missed to go ahead. Like. We, we got... Yeah, so it was we, we, won a, we won a kick out. Jack McCaffrey had it. And he got called for bloody step. Who, I don't know, who was the ref that day? In 13. Wasn't it matter. Anyway. I think it was uh, Joe. Dublin Joe. You said well, it, was Another great ref. Jeez. But Jack got called for steps. I think he was given a free, and then he stopped to take his free, but he'd overridden the free or whatever. So it was a turnover ball, and we'd all gone flying that way <clears throat> on the counter-attack. We'd won a kick out. And uh, I remember after this game, Obviously, the heroics for Mick McCauley to slap that ball <laughs> was very clear and plain for everyone to see. But the thing that we focused about on that play was how everyone responded to that little setback of getting the free given away from us. Like, every right to go, effing and moaning to the ref, giving out about the free, but everyone was switched on. What's the threat? What's the danger? Carry on a player play, I think. I don't know who, had, who got it in on the Hogan stand, but they were marching to go. I think it was Philly McMahon did unbelievable defending to turn his man the other way, and then we were just hunting in packs and like dogs. And Declan O'Sullivan got a shot away, but he was under pressure. Yeah. So he missed it, and then there was the kick out. But if that point had gone over, yeah, you know, different, different story. Fine, fine lines. We are just about to take a break here on the Football Pod Live, but I do have breaking news. The Kerry team have been named. It's been released. So uh, we have it there. There's one big change. Stephen O'Brien starts instead of Adrian Spillan at 12. So, Paul, can I get your instant reaction to that? That's the team is as expected. Shane Ryan, goals, <laughs> Graham O'Sullivan, it's Jason Foley, Tom Sullivan, Paul Murphy, Tyke Morley, oh, Gavin White, Jermaine O'Connor and Jack Barry midfield, Darren Moynihan, Shawnee Shea, Stephen O'Brien, Paddy Clifford, David Clifford, Paul Ganey. Yeah, I think, I think it was a powerful second half by Stephen. It was going to be hard to hold him off. I think probably given you have James McCarthy, Small and, and Lee Gannon in that Dublin half-back line, I think you probably needed a bit, a bit of experience in there maybe to yeah. st- stiffen that you know line what? a small bit. We'll actually come back after the break because once I mentioned the break, I think everybody went to the Jackson to get a point. So sure. <laughs> thanks to me and for listening so far. We'll be back after the break talking about the match. Thank you. You're very welcome back to the Football Pod live from Crow Park. I hope you had a nice break there. We are here with thanks to AIB, proud sponsors of the Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more, James. Exactly. <laughs> Money in the bank, Tom. I don't, know what, I don't know what you were chatting about in the break. <laughs> I haven't seen this. 
That's phenomenal. There you go. Wow, that is pure class, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Just before we come out on air, James said, right, lads, before we go out here, what's your predictions? So <laughs> we bring them the to you. That was off the record. We'll bring them to you later on. Uh, we were just talking about the Kerry team before we left. And it's a statement of intent, James, you'd say, to start Stephen O'Brien over Adrian Spillane in the sense that it's another scoring forward, another threat for the Dubs to deal with. Mm. Yeah, and I've been on loads of teams where this has been a huge factor, especially against a team like like Dublin, where they're going to try and manufacture back a defensive-minded player to sit in front of Clifford. Right? The whole, I think the whole game comes, or Dublin's whole game plan is going to come around how they nullify Clifford if they can, whether they can or not. But I played in a team with Stephen O'Brien in, it was actually in 15 actually, yeah, as well. And we played Kildare. And Kildare decided they were going to drop off a wing back regardless. They were going to drop number five in front of our full forward line, no matter who we lined up there. And we had Stephen O'Brien at 12, and he kicked five from play in the first half. So, like, he took it upon himself that Did day. Did Kildare try and blame that on the game being in Crow Park as well? <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there was terrible music played at half time, I think. They went. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Glenn. Sorry. But I do think that it's, it's huge that like, whoever does play the half-forward role against a team like Dublin, they have to be a scoring threat because it'll take so much pressure off Clifford that whoever's playing that side has to push up on someone like Stephen O'Brien rather than sit back in front of David. So if somehow, early on, Stephen can manufacture a shot at the post or two, it'll really change Dublin's thinking. They'll be like, right, let's, let's, let's solidify here in the half-back line before they even think about Clifford, which is danger territory. Yeah. Um, WhatsApps, any news on the Dubs team, no? <laughs> if there was, they wouldn't tell me and Paddy anyway, so. <laughs> They've gone alphabetical order again like they did there for a couple of years. <laughs> but you know, I do, th- I do think you need, probably, to win an All-Ireland final, you need probably six or eight points from your half-forward line. So you, you, you need a tre- You need five or six points from your half-forward line anyway. I think, you know, you're facing McCarthy, Small and Gannon. Given Stephen's performance in the second half, that it, was that, it was a really, it was a, a huge performance. You know, anybody who gives that type of a performance in an All-Ireland semi-final has got to be in with a great shout of starting a final. Um, I think another thing for these, these half-forwards, you know, against in Croke Park, and I, lear- I learned this on the hoof out here in 2013, Mark and, Mark and Jack McCaffrey, Stephen, Stephen, you know, wide players, wing forwards especially, playing, playing with their back to the sideline is, is a massive advantage if you want to threaten goal and work defensively and create a little bit of a problem in the head of Gannon or Jack McCaffrey, or in my case, this was James McCarthy and James McCarthy on one side, Jack McCaffrey and, and the other. These boys were in their mid-twenties and I was in my early thirties. And, you know, I think that can, be, that can be a key the next day for the likes of Stephen. Back to the sideline, slip in behind his back the first time, out in front of him the second time, and it just takes away that, it just paralyzes a guy that has a lot of pace. And these guys, I don't know if McCarthy will play at, at He'll be named at five, will probably play at eight. McCaffrey will probably come in at some point. I think Kerry probably had to stiffen, I think Kerry probably had to stiffen up a little bit in that half-forward line. I suppose Kerry have 
like if you think about Kerry's bench, Kerry's bench probably isn't as strong as it has been in the past, but even now I'm thinking McCaffrey's going to be coming on. Spillane's actually not a bad matchup on McCaffrey from a defensive point of view, maybe if that if they do have to kind of protect the lead, which might be the case, Kerry starts strong, have to weather the storm when Dublin comes strong. McCaffrey and comes Adrian's on, possibly Kilkenny. Yeah, sorry, Adrian's plan. Adrian's plan. No. Or McCaffrey or comes on, maybe uh, Kilkenny comes on, and Kerry have to make a few defensive changes. Maybe that's what they're thinking. This yeah. case of, we have our scores on the board, let's nullify Dublin's phenomenal bench, which is a, a factor. It's going to be a big thing. Keen, do, does it give the dubs more to think about? Uh, it does and it doesn't. Like, there's so much that you can read into the opposition and is that the real starting team or not? And you can get your head wound up on that, which is probably not the most helpful thing. I think Dublin would have talked about Kerry, probably wound up that conversation earlier in the week, parked that and then focused it on themselves um, to tape that out. And they have to continue to do that because you just, as a defensive unit, you can't predict because you just you can make estimations of how they might set up. Um, but beyond that, if you're trying to nail your flag to the post on a specific way as how the opposition is going to set up, you're setting yourself up for failure because if they don't do that, your plan is completely out the window. So you have to be fluid in how a team sets up. If Stephen O'Brien does start, okay, that might pose an extra layer of difficulty in terms of getting a free man back to cover our, our, our full back line. Um, and they'll have a conversation around that and park it, and then that's it. If he, if he, does, if he doesn't start, <clears throat> well, then um, it doesn't really change. You know, it, 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 you can't predict whether Kerry are going to play six up or not because it's completely out of your control. So what they can control is how they're going to set their stall out, who they're going to try and free up, and how they're going to play on opposition kickouts, and then how they're going to retreat when the opposition are, 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 are uh, advancing on an offense. And then beyond that, you're probably wasting your time in predicting things. There, we might come back to how the dubs are going to set up in terms of dropping that free man or making that free man a little later on. And you're the perfect person to talk to about that, given the role you played for so long in that five in a row. I would be interested in knowing, though, about All-Ireland final week. And you mentioned dummy teams there and not knowing whether you're starting or not. It must be very difficult. Like, James, you, what, in 19, am I right in saying? You would have been on the comeback from injury. You were maybe in the mix to get back. You definitely come on in the replay, as far as I can remember. Yeah. Um, were you close to starting that game at all? I, I actually tore my calf in a league game, and I was out for a long time, a good couple of months with my calf, and I was coming back, and um, I didn't make the panel for the first All-Ireland Final in 19. Peter Keane was manager, uh, my club manager at the moment. Oh. And he still don't forgive him for that. In the Legion. Uh, but for the, for the replay, um, I got called in for a drugs test just before, maybe on the Tuesday night before the game. For who? They obviously saw me with top off and they said, <laughs> Get that fella in for the test ASAP. But uh, it was... It was my. It was my. <laughs> Were you away in Vegas the weekend before? I'm depressed over. It. I'm depressed over the laugh that that got. <laughs> uh, but no, myself and Jason Foley were called in for a drug test. Yeah, I could see Jason Foley. You. <laughs> <laughs> and we actually missed most of the session, but I was. We were called in anyway. And your man was uh, 
there was a male nurse outside and a female nurse in the room then doing the actual testing. So your man, your man was obviously, he was a Dublin fan anyway, the fucker. He was, uh, <laughs> he was giving us awful lip outside. He was saying, geez, you're not going to win the weekend really, are you? Like, you know, you've no chance. You've had a handy run to the final, blah, blah, blah. You're, he kind of, you're not really up to it. He was kind of giving all these kind of, these snide remarks. Myself and Jason Fuller, we have to get this fella back somehow anyway, so. Jason went in first into, um, in to get the test, and he, we said, we'll try and make out now that it's the most unprofessional setup there is going, and we'll try and rattle your man. So Jason comes out after getting the test, and he goes, uh, Jesus Christ, to your man, the fellow who's giving us a go, you're one. <laughs> she was all over from me inside getting the test. <laughs> <laughs> Where the fuck did you pick your one up? <laughs> and I was sitting there going, where are you going with this? But uh, he kept it and your man, he was, he didn't like it. So I picked up and I said, I'll carry on from uh, Jason's, Jason's go. So I went in anyway and came out and your man was with Jason. And I said, Jesus, Jason, you're right. You're one, the gamiest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> she tried to follow me in going for the urine test and everything. <laughs> <laughs> saying, your man, he was getting sadder and sadder. Eventually, he looked up and he went, that's my wife. <laughs> I don't know how we passed the fucking drugs test. Because I thought he was going to fail it. Slam dog. That's the class thing. Go on, Jimmy. And he asked me then, later on that night, he came over to me, he goes, are you serious about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had no idea where that was going. <laughs> that no started idea. out as a question about the All-Ireland final. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, well done, James. Um, <laughs> Paddy, when we were talking about Keane coming on the show tonight, you were talking about some of the AVB games you would have had and you'd be looking at each other and Keane would suddenly be on the sideline maybe two weeks from an All-Ireland and you'd be saying, nah, no chance Keane's going to make it back. <laughs> and he somehow managed to make miraculous recoveries in, was it 15, 17, 19 Keane? You were struggling for all three. What, what was that that you were seeing? Like, was he just... Well, from, our, from our point of view, it was like... Um, this is the biggest game. Anyone, we're all GA fans, that's where we're all here. You, you grow up as a kid, this is the game. All Ireland Foil is the pinnacle of our sport. You are fortunate enough to be in a, in a position to, one, play for your county and then get to this level and, and be, have the opportunity to play in an All Ireland Foil. You do anything you can to play in this game, you know? And the reality is every season there's, there's guys suspended, there's guys injured. Tony Brosnan is the case this week. That's, we're talking, it's your 20 years of your life building towards this thing. And, and in Keane's angle, and we, it wasn't just Keane, we had a couple of guys, you pick up knocks, and that's just the nature of elite sport. And there was a couple of times, Keno, Jesus, you were under a pump to, to be available. And the effort and sacrifice that goes into talk about leaving no stone unturned to be on the pitch. And there was times, there was, the weeks of games, and we were looking going, Keno's not going not gonna to happen. Like. And the credit to the man, whatever you had to do to do it, like some of the stories he'll tell you now himself, but just to be on the pitch and do your job for the team and that was it's an incredible thing but it's there's an incredible pride and motivation to do it as well and 
which is unbelievable respect because there's times you were in tight shape like three or four, <laughs> three or four, how, three how or four bad, days beforehand. Like. How bad would it get? Like how bad would you be before these games? Like are we talking a hamstring tweak? Or what are you on about? No, grade three hamstring tears like two weeks out from an all iron final, you know? It was pretty pretty bad injuries. Um that you're kinda of told that you're not and we all have injury stories here and lads have come through very, very tight and precarious. Um, I'm sure Sean Bugler as well in the lead up to this game. I hope, I really hope that he, he is playing, but um, it's a difficult place to be, but you learn a lot about yourself when you're there as well. Your back's against the wall and you have the full support of your teammate and your families to do whatever you possibly can to get back and you will do anything, you know, anything for two weeks, just drank, slept, ate, recovery and whatever intervention you could get your hands on to give you a tiny little percent and yeah 15 and and the replay for 19 I managed to get back and, and, and play in those two games in 17 okay after 20 minutes the hamstring went again but um, I ran out of road in 20 and 21 but for a couple of those other finals um, I managed to get back and 2015 was probably like my Obviously, winning an All-Ireland is a, is, a, is a massive honour and, you know, the euphoria that that brings, but the sense of personal pride that I had from actually getting on the pitch in the first place in that, in that day was, you know, you'd nearly say it was all worthwhile because it was just, you know, really, really um, fulfilling to, to come through that adversity and to get yourself on the pitch and to be part of it. So, yeah, um, yeah hairy moments. Uh, it almost became a running gag in the team that Asher wouldn't be All-Ireland final week if Keno wasn't um, <laughs> running up and down the side of the pitch or in an ice chamber or something like that. So uh, we, made, we made fun of it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Keno Sullivan. Sorry, Tom. Keno, how, how, like, say the week before training, how close to 100% would you have to get to be named to start? Like, would you need to train fully on the Thursday? Would you need to fu- train fully on the Tuesday? Was it a case of just run up and down the field on the Thursday and you're on? No, not even that. Like on a, I think in 2015, it was, um, I think maybe the Friday before the All-Ireland Final, I had to do a fitness test. So they picked out two forwards, Conor McHugh and somebody else to do three or four one-on-ones with me. And if I was able to get through them unscathed, Jim was happy to, to play ahead with me and um, I managed to, and that was the start of the game, and it was great. Um, I was very, very thankful for that. And then in that game, it was a really rainy day. The ball was slipping and sliding everywhere, and it just suited me down to the ground because I never really had to put the burners on. Um, I thought maybe, or there was, we didn't know what kind of carry team was going to line out, um, whether Dan or Sullivan would start centre forward or not. He didn't, thankfully, because that probably would have caused me a lot of bother trying to chase him around the place. Um, who, did, who did play? Johnny Buckley, was it? I think it was Buckley. Yeah. Buckley on the day. Um, it was for us, So, yeah, I got lucky in a lot of respects as well, but, um, yeah, yeah, interesting times, and uh, I was very, very lucky and fortunate to get through some of them, yeah. Yeah. Paul, would it, like, you would have started, you mentioned when from 04 to 09, you're in six All-Ireland Finals. One four, lost two. You also play All-Ireland Finals in 11 and 15. You know, you've, I think you started five and three you come on in. Does it change your perspective when A, you know you're probably going to not be starting and you're, you're going to be coming in as an impact sub? 
because you did come on in those three finals, you probably knew you were coming in at certain stages. Did that change your preparation or your, your perspective in that week before Northern Ireland? Um, I suppose, yeah, in the week you're just trying to make sure that you're creating a good, good energy for, for, for the guys around you, you know, and that you're supportive of the guys that are, you know, in the, in the position that you might want to be in or might have been in in the past. And I remember before the 11 final particularly, uh, speaking to Ke- or just just making sure I connected with uh, Kieran O'Leary, who started that final, and making sure he knew that uh, I was with him and I was, I was, you know what I mean, and I was, I, I was supporting him. And I, I think that is important. Um, uh, I suppose it, it changes in the sense that you're less maybe selfish about your preparation. I found I was just more about making sure the energy is good and the guys, you know what I mean, that you're adding a bit in that, in that regard. Um, I remember the 11 final, I had a hip surgery in the end of 2010. It was, it was quite complicated and it cost me a lot of time in 2011. I kept, I had this hip surgery on my right hip and I tore my hamstring a few times on my right side as a result in 11. But anyway, on the morning of the 11 final, I was in the gym, I remember. I know you were chatting about this a few weeks ago about me lifting Kirky and me lifting... Uh, <laughs> hold, on, hold on a second. Is that true? <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I actually, to be honest with you, I had to check in with, the, I, I, I met Star after that. And I said, geez, I don't think I was lifting Kirky, was I? And he said, well, you were definitely lifting me. And I, so I lifted, I lifted on here. I'd have to ask Kirky, but I was always lifting the boys in the dressing room. But I would have gone to the gym in the morning. I would go to the gym in the morning. I would, I would have done my weights in the morning. And then just before the game, I'd lift whoever was near me, Anthony Maher. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I must have. I must have. You said it, didn't I? You, you, said you it. could have picked anyone. You looked at Mike Quirk and you goes, "Come here." <laughs> <laughs> All six foot ten of them. But it was great. It was great prep for me. It was good for my body. It brought up just, just, just. So gym in the morning, and then I'd get a lift in in the huddle. I would have done this in the pitch. So like, uh, I did it quite what regularly. Did the, uh, what did the strength and conditioning coach see you? Bench pressing, quirky. <laughs> I don't know. Like but no, we you were, said it. It's look, proven, isn't it, Paul, that you, like, to squat heavy for one or two reps actually does ignite your central nervous system. Keen, yeah. you should have tried that. <laughs> no, it does, it does. Like, we, we, look, at, we, had our own, <laughs> we had our own kind of, we had our own take on strength and conditioning, Paddy. <laughs> I did. can see that. And I we can did. see that. You know what I mean? We were, we were late adopters, dubious, I, was, I wasn't, I have to say, I, I, but a lot of our guys were, wait, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's true, you know, and, it, and you know, we, so we were kind of just, <laughs> Pat Flanagan came in 04, 05, 06, it was quite, it was there, it was new, it was new, and it was, it was introduced, and it was good for us, and then we probably had believers and kind of, not non-believers, but everyone else is doing it, so we'll have to do it type of thing. It was a different era though. But the, 11, the, the morning of the 11 final I wasn't starting but I was in the gym in Carton House and I, I, it was empty and I was doing single leg press and some lunges and so I did my bit anyway and I was leaving the gym and there was two or three steps. I still remember them. I can see them. I can still see them. There's two or three steps out of the gym in Carton House. So I hit the steps anyway and I was like, oh jeez, my legs. <laughs> my, legs were, <laughs> my, legs were, my legs were weak and wobbly, you know, and I thought, I just checked the time. I was like, what time is it? I thought I might have overdone it, you know? And it was maybe, what time, maybe 10? And I thought, game, yeah, I should be okay. I won't come on probably till the second half. <laughs> and the next thing, Jack calls me after 20 minutes. Oh, God, fuck it. I could, have done, I could have done with the extra hour, but... <laughs> what, had you, what had you done? 
Pardon? What had you done, gym, gym wise? Single leg press, not a lot, four to four, you know what I mean? A set, a set on the single leg press, a set of dumbbell lunges. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 you know, it was, it's possible it's, to do. Team, team, you know what I mean? Teams, teams do this. Yeah. Teams can it's lift. Different, it's different can lift. strokes for different folks. Oh, You've told yeah. the story before yeah. about Gooch. You were a roommate of Gooch before yeah. one of the finals, and quarter to two, you went back up to the room. Yeah, yeah, the old, the, 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 he got one six or seven in the game, whatever year that was. Oh, seven, I'd say. So we had up for breakfast, bit of physio or whatever, fellas were getting ready. Team meeting at 12-ish. I think it was 12. There was lunch. Was it before lunch or after lunch? It couldn't have been after lunch, but it was late. I went to get my bag, and the room was dark. So I'm getting my bag to go on the bus, or to put on the bus, and the room's dark, and next thing I... Under the duvet, there's a little bit of movement, and I say, Jesus, Colm, no word. Colm, I turn on the light, there's Colm. Top of his head, under the duvet, is all I can see, and he's, and he's, and he's sound asleep. And I said, are you all right? And he, just, he goes, what time is it? <laughs> and I said, it's time to go, it's buddy. <laughs> it's showtime. And, and he said, he just said, he just said, Right, 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 right. <laughs> and I was like, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> so I went down and I, I was, you know, genuinely I was like, is he okay, is he sick or is he, is he? But anyway, we went down, we put the bags on and we went after the game and I mean, he, yeah, he kicked one seven, he was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> that was him though, you know, to, to just, just, yeah. just rela re relaxed and me, me, me pumping iron in the gym and you ran asleep. There you go, there you have it. Danny used to get into the jacuzzi for about half an hour. <laughs> That's like the opposite with of what a smoke, you do. With a cigar as well. <laughs> <laughs> but a warm-up, he used to get the warm-up in. Every, every film is different. Things the warm -up. Is different yeah. It's mad how everyone is different. Like. Yeah. Like we were saying, even with our lads, we'd have, just, we were talking about this before, I don't know what it could be, there's dressing room dynamics, and it's the same the world over. Every level, every team, different sports teams, there's lads who are ball, laser-like. That's like the gooch, do you think he's after having a fucking stroke? <laughs> uh, like we, we had Michael Derrick McCauley, we had Dermo, we had to go and find Dermo sometimes. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> he's over in the Clanliff house, like Dermo. Pick, I mean, pick me up on the way from the Gibson, like, you know, you go down, and like all the Dublin fans are outside, and there's Dermo in a bucket hat. I was like, come on. You're number 12 today. Lovely. <laughs> Who are we playing? He's like, Kerry. Kerry, they're good. Uh, but it is, it's the same. And it's gas. People have this idea around dressing rooms and, you know, you go in beforehand and these gladiatorial speeches and Jim Gavin or Jack O'Connor or Desi Farr at the weekend or, or Clucko comes in at half time and there's this Herculean speech. And I can't remember any of that stuff. It was just very... If you're chasing that stuff at halftime in an all or in a final or 10 minutes before you go out on the pitch, you're under pressure. It's about just everyone do their own thing. The work is done. You're not going to find some silver bullet five minutes before you go out onto the pitch, you know? Catherine is down the back, producer Catherine. She's got a mic and she's waving it around. If anyone has a question, we're probably going to get to one or two questions here. We're going to do another probably 15, 20 minutes. We better talk about the match, lads. Oh, there is so, a match. There's a match on Sunday, there so is. So, there's one. What's going to happen with this fella? What are you going to do with uh, 
This guy, Keen, David Clifford. What's going to happen here? I don't know. You've, you've, uh, you've man Mark Clifford before. Yeah. It's an impressive stance. <laughs> Could you ever get your hamstring that high? This is no. 2018 league final debut. You had quite a novel technique. This is Clifford's first league game against Dublin. Quite a novel a way of trying to stop him here. I think we have another photo. Karate chop. Karate chop. <laughs> Didn't work. I like that. So what, what, are, what are the Dubs going to do this weekend to stop David Clifford? Yeah. Um, look, he's obviously an incredible talent. Um, nobody needs to harp on anymore about that. And I think it's been well documented what he brings, you know. Um, are you going man on man? Yeah, pro well, I don't, I don't like this concept of, of man on man. Um, like, defences win championships. You know, Deck and Darcy always say that to us. Defences win championships. And your defensive unit isn't about going man on man in the front six or anywhere over the pitch. It's, your def it's, it's about the communication, the telepathy, the, the unity of your whole 15 not just your back six or your full back line, it's how you all work in sync and everyone being on the same page. And out there on that pitch, it's really, really difficult because talking, yelling, shouting at each other is not going to work. So you need to have that understanding or that bond well, well instilled um, before you get to a game like this. So dealing with David Clifford, I think obviously there's going to be a man tasked to go man a man on him. But that doesn't mean that it isn't the rest of the team's responsibility to nullify that threat, as well as the other threats that are around the pitch. Um, would, it, would it be fair to say that Mick Fitz will more than likely mark him like he did last year, and there'll be an expectation on one of the dubs to fulfill the role that you would have played a lot, which would have been, you would have been freed up to drop back a lot and sweep. Yeah, and, and that's no different to any other marquee for how, how we would have set up against them and how this Dublin team does set up against them. You can probably paralysis by analysis and you can probably focus too much on David Clifford and I think that's quite a defeatist attitude to, to go into a game to be focusing too much on the opposition. Yes, there is almighty respect that has to be paid to his talent and what he does for Kerry, but Dublin have to impose their own game plan and their own way of playing um, and park that and be happy that they have whatever plan in place to deal with that, which is probably, I don't know if Mick Fitz is going to pick him up or not. I'd be very, very happy and comfortable with Mick Fitz doing it. I think he's done a fantastic job. I think the second half last year, he kept him quite enough. 2019, maybe in the replay, he picked him up and he did quite well. Um, so you've got your man-on-man -man element to it. Secondly, then, I think, you know, trying to give an extra bit of cover to your full back line. Um, for him and the other threats that are in there with, with, with Ganey and, and, and Pawdy Clifford or Killian Splan, whoever it is. Um, so how do, how do Dublin orchestrate that? Back to that Stephen O'Brien point starting in the wing forward, does that make that a little bit more difficult to do? Um, but again, that's not just one designated player. Like it, it starts up on the corner forward being able to release that player all the way back. So it is a whole team effort and everyone being on the same page. And if you're over obsessing about a Shawnee O'Shea or a Pawdy Clifford, like players are smart enough these days that if they know they're being man-marked and they're being followed everywhere religiously, 
they'll just take themselves out of the game and just go over to the sideline and leave massive channels open for everyone to exploit. So lads can't be given this instruction that they have to just nullify this person. It's up to them. It's their responsibility. Yes, they're marking them, but it's the whole unit. It's the whole team's responsibility to keep an eye on these guys. And then, I, and then lastly, like every player has a routine. Every player has a certain way that they play. Um, and you know, Mick Fitz is an extremely intelligent guy. Uh, he will look at opposition players that he's due to pick up forensically, and he'll know what makes them tick. What's their favourite way? Like down along that Cusick side of Carrier playing into the in, into the hill. Clifford likes to take it on that line, and he must have one of the strongest right quads in the country because that power that he gets off his, his right foot to put him back on his left is, is, is pretty, pretty impressive. That's where he gets his yard. His set, and he only needs his little... His, his, his ball-to-foot speed is so phenomenal. Quick. It's yeah. crazy. But if you kind of know that's where he wants to go, you're, you're, you're nearly preempting that play, and you're saying, yeah... I know you're going to push back, and I know when you're going to push back, so I'm going to be one step ahead of you. Um, so, look... We that, that, that's really interesting. Is there one player in particular that you'd expect or hope to drop back for Dublin and be helping out with Mick Fitz? I, I think uh, Brian Howard is very, very capable of that role, and I used to love playing with Howie when he was wing forward because he, just, he, he, he got that whole defensive thing really 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 well wasn't he a, he was an unbelievably intelligent player yeah. for a young guy yeah usually you learn the game or you learn that position and particularly at that level because you you can't hear a thing on the pitch you can't communicate it has to be preparation has to be done there's literally the only thing could is a body language or a body shape and you need to know this is how you need to be so tuned in and that's quite rare for for young players but how he to be fair to his credit I think we all kind of recognised that when he came in, like this guy, no more so Paul, you saying about James in that skills game, smart players get it, and they get it quick, and they, they take to this level, and I think that was such a key strength to Howie. Howie was playing a similar role, kind of supplementing Keane, like in 2018, when he came on, he was only a kid, like, so that's quite rare, but I think that's what he has, and but I'll tell you definitely where, a key that he's going to need to bring on Sunday. I'll tell you where, where Clifford is different from a lot of corner forwards, right? And it's something that a lot of us as corner forwards don't have in the locker that he has. Oh, go on. If <laughs> you had it in the locker. <laughs> you had it in the locker. Say you're, say you're playing corner forward, right? You're very much reliant on the ball coming in maybe fast and you getting a yard, taking a shot from 25, 30 yards. That's your zone, right? But if the ball is slowed down by Kerry at the moment, Clifford actually comes out to maybe 11 or even further out towards midfield, between midfield and 11. And he has a kick in his locker from 45, 50 metres that not many corner forwards have. No, you're thinking back to great Cork teams that had that, Colin Corker and these fellas. Like Clifford has that. He'll cheat out, he'll wait, he'll let the ball rotate, and you can do all the preparation for that that you want. He'll just make a yard and he will, he'll kick it 50 yards and it will have 20 yards to spare. I think that's something, that's an extra level to a player that yeah. hasn't kind of been seen from a corner forward point of view. But, but yeah, there, there there's an money. element with this on Sunday, right? And Clifford's obviously getting incredible coverage. Obviously, he's probably the marquee player in the game. It's the marquee match. And Keane, you touched on it. I don't know from our team. We were never 
overly obsessive. You respect the opposition, obviously, and we played against some of you brilliant guys in, in, during our period as well. Dublin are going to attack this game, as are Kerry. They're not going to turn around and say, David Clifford is so good, we're going to bring back 10 guys and we're going to pack the defence and do that and try and defend our way to win this game. I have said it, I'd say, nearly on a weekly basis with the, on this podcast. That reductive style of play will get you to a certain point, and loads of teams play this way, but you will not win the biggest prizes. And it's no coincidence that on Sunday, in what was arguably the most open championship, unbelievably covered by GAA Go. Um, <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. He's always glazed over there. Sorry, but in what was arguably the, the most open championship, that we've got the two most traditional teams, the two most technically proficient teams, because Kerry believe they're the best team in the country and they're going to try and win this game. They don't fear Dublin. Dublin think they're the best team in the country and they're going to go and attack this game and yeah. they don't fear Kerry. And that's the beauty. There's nearly a point where you can say, yeah, Clifford is going to get space. Somebody has to score. Yeah. Dublin are going to, Conn is going to score, Clifford's going to score. But it's not obsessing about taking so much away from your game to try and nullify that. You have nearly a respect and a maturity to say, yeah, okay, he can hurt us. We accept that. That's what the best players do. But we're going to go after them as well. And that's why Sunday and Dublin Kerry games that we all played in, and way before our time as well, where this rivalry is so special. Because there's a history of teams, I don't want to say the right way or the wrong way, but there's teams of playing, attacking football. And I think that's what you're going to see on Sunday. And Clifford will have a major role in it. But Dublin are going to, they're not going to change the moon and stars just to stop that. Yeah. Paul, before we get to the question from the crowd, can you pick an area for us that you think is integral this weekend or an area where you think the game will be won or, or lost? Um, I, I think Paddy makes a good point there. I, I think Dublin will attack David Clifford. I think, I think, and if I'm not mistaken, I'm not just yet sold on the matchup of Mick Fitzsimons and David Clifford for some reason. If memory serves me, am I not right in saying that Lee Gannon picked him up early on in last year's semi-final? Or the, the, I've, I've, I've a memory of Lee Gannon running. I don't think Gannon has played cornerback early on. There was a couple. Yeah, there year. was a couple. Of I think, for sure. I, I, I'm not buying the Fitzsimons matchup just yet, and I think that they will go and look to run David and attack David. Literally attack him. I think they will. If it was me, I think I would. Um, so I, I, I'm interested to see how that how, how that plays out. But Paul, an when, area. Paul, when when Derry McKeag tried to do that once or twice. And McCaig launched yeah, into a run up the first field, half, yeah. and Cliffy just decided, have it. Now, different against Derry than Dublin, 100% I agree. But I wonder, will he do the same thing and just say, off you go there and tire yourself out, I'll let Dara Minehan track you, or will, I, he, will I, he go I, with I would, I would be having, I would, be, I, would, I would be prepared for it, and I would be having um, Dara, Dara or, or Stephen picking him up. I, I'm sure Gannon got a point early on in that game last year and tripped yeah, the goal a few times early on in that game. Yeah, first I, think, course, yeah. I think. So I'm interested in that part. An area, I think it's, it's the middle of the field. I think it's kickouts. I think Dublin will go along. If I'm Dublin and I'm all year long, and you mentioned AVBs earlier, and I think this is the key point, if all summer or for the last six or eight weeks Dublin have had in the middle of, on one end, Comerford, on the other end, Cluxton, in the middle of the field, Fenton, McCarthy, Howard, Dias, Okofik Bourne, Lehif, six guys competing for two spots. That's very powerful. I think there's nothing to drive competition in training than, 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 than midfield battle and having four proper guys thinking they should be playing. These have six 
Di- like Dias not long ago, your, your, your club mate won an All Ireland club with Kilmacud a number of months ago. He hasn't got a look in with Dublin yet. Oh, Cuffigburn, I, I see now Cuffigburn go up against Dermot in a Sigerson Cup game about 18 months ago. It was an amazing battle. Like, oh, Cuffigburn probably had the better of the first half, Dermot had the better of the second half. <sighs> My worry is that area. I don't see any benefit for Dublin in going short in this game. I think if you have had that level of competition in training all year, I think now is the day and Sunday oh, is the day uh, to go for it. I think, I said this it. on Monday night, I think as, as much as the individual stuff, the midfield battle in this game is absolutely critical. And if you look, and you have to give credit and hold your hand up, prior to the quarter-final, Dermot O'Connor and Jack Barry were being questioned, and that's, that's the long and the short of it. They were bullied against Mayo in, in Fitzgerald Stadium, and they were coming up against... Perone didn't have a lot going for them this season, but in... Conkle Patrick and Brian Kennedy they wanted to stand out midfield partnership and we were all teeing this up that that's a massive area that Tyrone are going to make hay Dermot O'Connor I think for me plays his best game for Kerry exceptional performance then and they blow Tyrone away then they go to the, the semi-final and again they're playing the next yes. probably marquee yeah. midfield yeah. in Glass yeah. and Rogers. Rogers gets a couple of points he only gets them and Dermot O'Connor gets his black card but Conor Glass has arguably his quietest game of the season yeah. and that again has to go credit to the two Kerry guys at midfield and now they're going on to the next yeah. better again. iconic better again, people and Fenton and McCarthy who have, have been phenomenal for Dublin if the dubs Fenton and McCarthy can perform at the levels we were fortunate enough to be on the teams with and win that midfield battle not only does it put massive pressure on Shane Ryan kickers for Kerry and gives Dublin a platform to get a Kerry's full back line but it slows that transition for Clifford if the boys Kerry boys come up trumps and they can get the ball up the pitch quickly talk about plus ones and manufacturing this that and the other you are under pressure it's so pivotal that that duel in the middle of the pitch big time Dermot O'Connor will have to come out of this game the top midfielder in the country yeah and and, and I think he He's got that ability. He's come on brilliant for us. Like really, he's been. He's he, a quality he has player. Made that. He has made some steps. This is the step. This is the step for him. It's the step for four or five others. Can they come up? Uh, I think he will have to. Jack Barry will have to come with him. But if I'm Dublin, I'm putting a lot of my eggs in that basket, and I'm saying, let's. We've been fighting in the middle of the field all summer for these spots. Me and you and you and you. There's five or six of us going for it. In Kerry, there's been Dermot and Jack and Barry. O'Sullivan, and then I don't know who after that, and that is a worry for me. And if I'm Cluxton, I'm going for that, and I'm going, boys, we'll go on the air, and we'll go on the ground, and I'll bank a lot on my middle eight. I remember that going back to schools football. I learned this lesson with you guys in that schools football. It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to switch to put emphasis on playing long and winning it in the air and winning breaks, and then deciding we have to go short. Yeah. Then, the other way then to be going short all the time and then thinking, shit, we have to go long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost impossible to change that focus to, oh, I need to catch this in the air, I need to win a break. It, it's nearly impossible. So if I'm Dublin, if I'm in Dublin, I'm going, we'll bombard them. Forget short. That's very interesting. Forget yeah. short. Bombard them. Try and kill them in primary possession and murder them in secondary because for weight of bodies and competition internally all summer, I feel like they may have the edge there. But, but it's Paul, that, that's what we're talking the about. The training ground, Paddy. The, the, the training ground, ultimately. Oh, that's where it comes. The AVB, where that's has it where been at? You, know, we could, you mentioned AVB games before all Ireland finals. We could probably do another hour on that. 
Um, but I was at, for that point, there's a risk in that. And a lot of teams will play possession. We want to keep our kickouts. Dublin will go wrong. And we credit to Shane Ryan. He has caused us problems. We've gone after his kickout in all our finals and he's been exceptional himself. There's a risk in going wrong because it's... You're not, you might not secure possession, but the reward you get if Fento goes up and plucks one and now we're in their half, or Dermot O'Connor on Kerry's side does it, that is... That could be the... That could be the key play in the game, so it's there's risk well, in it, but that's a, what it's about. Like. As a corner forward, as a corner forward, right? If you see the ball being put down, you're on the other side of the field. Yeah, it's chipped out. You're like, oh, for fuck's yeah, sake. yeah, painful. <laughs> I'm yeah, not seeing killer. this ball. I'm not seeing this ball. Five for minutes, two minutes. Yeah. Killer, yeah. Whereas you're going up you for see him clean. take a couple of steps back, you're like, I'm on here. Yeah, but, you know, yeah, 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 let's yeah. go. And because if you win that, you're only one kick pass away from the play. Yeah. So if you can win that primary possession to midfield, get a dish, get it in, you're in the game. Changes As the it, game. You're, it gets your full forward line in the game. It gets Khan, it gets uh, Costello, it gets Pascal, and on the other side, Clifford Ganey, Clifford. Like it gets you into the game if you go along. If it's such a bonus if you can and win it, your and it's, and it's easy to decide to go short. We, we, we decided in that one of those monster finals that we played, we decided because there was the, the opposition team from Cork had a big midfield and we had Padraig Lucy in a big midfield and a big midfield battle was expected. So we just went short and, and it worked. And so it's a lot easier to go long, 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 long and then decide to go short if you yeah. want to than to go the other way around. 100%. Yeah. Be that, would be a, that would be an area where I'd be... Uh, yeah, I think it comes down to that. Yeah. I think it comes down to that. It's simple. Yeah, very but interesting. You'd be very excited now for Sunday after listening to that, wouldn't you? Uh, whoever had the questions, Catherine, I think, has lost you. Put your hands up again if uh, you're chatting to Catherine and she'll find you there. <coughs> Catherine, we have two up here, I think. And um, one, uh, Paul Galvin. Um, who's your toughest opponent and why? Who was your toughest uh, opponent, Paul? Who was your toughest and opponent why? and why? Um, I suppose, going back, I suppose, to the early, like when I started out, I have a, f- I have a few years on the boys, I suppose, the, the yeah. 03, 03, 04, in my first, I played a league final here in 2004 against Galway. I was marking Declan Meehan. Oh. And <laughs> he was like Declan Meehan. He was footballer of the year at the time. Yeah. And I learned a lesson that day. I thought... He was footballer, and he was being he was good in that league campaign. And Jack had come to me and said, "Just keep an eye on him." And I kept an eye on him for the whole game, and I never played. <laughs> I was, and he was that fast. He just attacked. He attacked, and I thought, yeah, he he, he dictated things to me. And he was a playmaker for Galway. He was a great player. Yeah. He was a great player. He was a kicker. He could carry it, but he could equally pass inside. He'd say, "You'd love him. You'd love him." He, he'd whip it into you. He, he scored one of the best. All Ireland final goals, unbelievable ever in 2000 against Kerry from the bottom corner. Paul Who gave Clancy's. the pass? Who gave the pass? Joyce. Paul Clancy's pass. Who was it? Yeah. Joyce. Paul Clancy. Paul Clancy. Clancy. Oh, Joyce. Yeah. Joyce starts the move. Joyce yeah. starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a goal! The one of the greats. And, and tough one as well, you know. That was a great question. Just while Catherine's lining up the second one, who's the toughest player you marked? Uh, you get this question a lot, and one that sticks out. Stephen O'Neill, I was coming toward, I was just starting out, he was kind of coming towards the end of his career, but marked him a couple of times, and um, Loved the yeah, solo, he kind of ticked every box, skill, power, he was a real competitor, you know, had a bit of an edge to him, pace, incredibly accurate, both feet, had all the tricks in the bag, he was, uh, he was a tough cookie. 
Hard, hard yeah. to top that, yeah. Friend of the pod, Stephen O'Neill. Friend of the pod? I think he is still scarred defenders. I noticed with blockdowns in the game today, there's a, lot, there's a big fear of going for blockdowns. There's guys mm. that could be blocking down but aren't committing to blockdowns. And I think Stephen O'Neill... Peter Kelly. The, the, the Superman yeah. one. The dummy solo. Oh, yeah. And Rory uh, Canavan. He did, he did a Superman Rory Canavan, Rory Canavan's dummy solo went global. Unbelievable. And I think he was the defender in the game that will go for a blockdown again. Rory Canavan's brought CNN. it back, hasn't he? He was on CNN, back, that was. Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. Have we got one more question? Sorry, I didn't get your name there, but that was a great question. Uh, one more, Catherine, yeah? Hi, Tommy. Uh, there is a question at the end of this, but just, I just want to talk about goal celebrations. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, hello. Love that. When, when, uh, when, we look, when we look at any soccer match and you look at the goal celebrations, and yet in the GAA, we're so reticent about celebrating great goals. <laughs> you know, there's only so many iconic moments like Joe Brawley at the Ulster final in 98, Jesus. or Mulligan shaping to the hill in 2005. But I think inside the Dublin team from, say, 2010 up to now, we're talking 14 years, I can remember Bernard Brogan's brilliant goal into the hill against Cork, and obviously we all remember <laughs> Kevin Mack's goal the following year. But of all the goals that I've seen Dublin score, in that 14-year period, the one that leaves the biggest impression on me was a goal that was scored on June the 1st, 2013. Okay? And this player celebrated this goal I know as if he'd never about. scored one before. <laughs> and this player celebrated this goal as if he was never going to score another one, and he was right on both occasions. Is there any possibility we could get Paddy Andrews to reenact the Wesleyan celebration goal? <laughs> Was it the Roma? The only championship goal you scored for Dublin. It's incredible. Uh, I remember it. You, I'll give you, you a few quid. I'll give you a few quid for that. It's a great goal. You stick it in the top corner, but you must remember the celebration. I remember it. I remember it. I was right beside it at the time, and he did. But did he do the machine gun, did he? We were winning by about 30 points. First round of the Leinster Championship, uh, and I nearly had the top off. <laughs> no one at the game. There's about 10,000 people at it. I was like giving it Alan Shearer, and I was like, ah. Oh. No, great question, though. Great question. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find that celebration, I'll put it out. I can't find it at the minute, but yeah, brilliant. Very good. Uh, James, you were fond of a celebration, though, weren't you? Up short. Or, uh, <laughs> no. uh, at the back it was a pass. <laughs> a pass. Um, anyway, you would have celebrated a few goals, wouldn't you? Ah, oh, fucking celebrate. I think so. Thirteen. Points. You give a big one when you scored into the hill. Cluxon never moved that day. Oh, we won't get into that again. Yeah. We won't get into that again. It's man, like, brutal and goal. It's interesting that a goal is such a massive moment in the game. I think. Is his mic out? Is it? Your mic could just come no, out there. Her. Lovely. Uh, <laughs> so there's two, there's two quick things that we just want to mention here. Um, Paddy, we've mentioned this in the pod a couple of times over the last couple have, of weeks. Yeah, I have. The, the Laura Lynn Foundation, there's a fundraiser yep. taking place. If you search for a gift for Grace, you'll find it. Um, and I think the family would really welcome any donations. Some of the lads from your club are going on a cycle from Dublin to Mallow to raise funds for an unbelievable cause. So. Yeah. Um, it's on uh, it's gone, the 11th and 12th of August. Uh, a very good friend of mine, club mate, that charity is obviously very close, was heard. Horrendous. Um, 
pain for, for families if they ever have to, to avail of that. So, so there's a new service centre being built in Mallow and County Cork and there's a cycle happening from Leopardstown, the, the main Laurel Lynn service centre, that weekend. So that's the, the charity, an unbelievable cause. I'm sure everyone, everyone will agree. So if you can throw few quid in or anything, any sort of help you can for that cause. Uh, much appreciated. And I know we've mentioned on the pod, a lot of people have already and we're very, very grateful. Uh, so, yeah, that's if very, you can. Very much so. And uh, on a slightly different note, I, I actually almost forgot about this. And James gave the game away a little earlier. We had the small matter of two tickets for Sunday Jeez. giveaway. The All-Ireland Final. It's all courtesy of AIB. So a huge thanks to them. And just before I mention it, they also brought in Sam Maguire today. Like, that is pretty cool. So there you go. So, we'll take that. We'll bring that with us. Oh, my God. Five people in the room. I think there's about 800 people there. There's lads standing in the back as well. Sorry you couldn't get a seat, lads. Uh, it's on. Put, put your hand on your seat. There's five envelopes numbered one to five. And if you have one of those, please stand up. You're in the mix. If you have an envelope, you haven't won tickets, you're in the mix. You haven't won tickets. Nothing, no. I tried to rig it. They wouldn't let me. They wouldn't so, let me. Hold on to your envelope if you want it. It's just a five so, pairs of tickets. One pair. Oh, Jesus, so, Jim. Hold on there now. James, hold on, James. Hold on. You've one job here. So, Is this a five? James, James, just hold on. Sure how, many, how many draws have we done? One. One. one draw. There should be five people. Just hold on one second. Can you put your hand up if you have an envelope and you're standing up? So we've one, two, three, four. It's five there. Are we missing one envelope? Oh, five. I have all five, okay? Yeah. And you have your numbers. James, are, you all, are you all from Dublin? <laughs> <laughs> right, James. James O'Donnell is going to pick out a number here. Draw. And if it's your number, you've won the tickets to the All-Ireland Final this weekend. <laughs> what number, James? Go on. James O'Donoghue. <laughs> Number four. Number four. Wow. Do that. Congratulations. Kerry Roman. Good man. That's great. You can uh, revolute me the 180 euro. <laughs> well done, James. And congratulations. And that's thanks to AIB. So that's, that's a great prize. They're like gold dust this week. Um, First off, a huge thanks to everybody who listens to the podcast every week. Me and James and Paddy get great crack every Monday. We love it. And uh, thanks for turning up today. It's fantastic. I think you'll all agree that the place looks amazing. There's an unbelievable production team and events team and off the ball. And they've put all that together. And AIB, who sponsored the podcast, made this happen tonight. So a huge thanks to them. had it written down here at one stage. Where, I didn't. Hold on. Before we go, where's the Dublin team? You showed us the Kerry team, show us the Dublin team. What's that? Where's the Dublin team? Where's the Dublin team? We haven't got it yet. Are, are, we? We, doing, are we doing predictions here for something? I'm going to get the predictions now just Ma. before we go. Name so, the colours to the master, no messing. Tommy, a guaranteed draw. He's no. what he's going to say. Mead, Mead can ah. do something. Predictions, top, 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 putting you on the spot. Tommy's Where are you going for? Uh, do I have to say why? Give me what you have 10 seconds to say what? Uh, I slightly Dublin and I think bench. The bench. The bench. Okay. Paul? Um, I, I, I would have 
and you can check my tweets on this. I, 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 I thought Dublin, I thought Dublin all year would be the team. I, I, I agree with Kean in terms of options and depth. I think, I think they have, they have probably the better options. But Kerry. I'm going to give the last word to Paddy, James. Um, I've been very strong all year, so I'm not going to come away from it. <laughs> what a call Cork was all year, though. Huh? call of the year. No, I will say that I think the Kerry's forward line can get goals against the Dublin full back line. And for that reason, I... I think, they, I think the Kerry need to be in a position of strength early. Half time they need to be leading. Going into the last quarter, they need to be leading by four or five points because I think that the screw that Dublin can turn there in the championship quarter and the last quarter and the crowd and everything, the momentum they can get. Kerry need to be four or five points up. I think they will be. And I think Kerry by three. Let's hear you, Paddy. What have you got? This is an absolute slam dunk for Dublin. <laughs> All right. And uh, so that's two and two. And just for the record, uh, I reckon we'll be back on Saturday, August the 12th, after a draw. Oh. There you go. <laughs> Very we'll be back here as well for the football pod. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah. so, uh, to everybody here, thanks a million for everyone watching on YouTube and the podcast. We'll be back on Sunday evening, I hope, lads, with a, an immediate podcast afterwards. We've had an absolutely stacked stage tonight. Two footballers of the years. There's nine All-Stars, 16 provincial medals, sorry, 16 league medals, 35 provincial medals, and 20 All-Ireland medals up here today. And sorry. <laughs> Unbelievable. Amazing. So, uh, Please put your hands together for Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue and Keane O'Sullivan and Paul Gavin. Thank you. The Football Pod on Off The Ball. In partnership with AIB. Proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more.